Welcome to the show, How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Horowitz. I'll be your host. I want to thank everybody for joining me this evening, and it's going to be a great show. Um, I was planning on speaking tonight about uh, authority. Uh, authority authority is jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> jurisdiction, I'm a big fan of etymology, and... Uh, Juris, law, and diction, to speak, is law spoken. Uh, authority uh, is author. Uh, iti, I-T-Y. Uh, basically, what that does, it, it, it points to uh, the word before it, uh, trying to make it a little bit less abstract. But... Um, Authority, author, is, is the root of authority, and it's he who creates something. Um, he who creates something has power over what he creates, uh, has authority. Authority is power or jurisdiction. Um, they're pretty synonymous with each other. Um, authority is, is, is uh, and I say author and Itty, I-T-Y, meaning that it's, it's trying to um, nail down what's abstract. Abstract is basically something that is, you know, uh, not easily visible or, uh, you know, it's, it, if you're talking about art, it, it would be a picture that has all kinds of shapes and swirls and lines and things like that. But unless you were the author, you wouldn't be able to recognize it as much, <laughs> uh, other than lines. And you know, uh, you can have an opinion on it, but uh, you know, uh, unless you know exactly what the author was trying to achieve, uh, you you have no idea what it is. That's abstract. <laughs> um, just like many of the uh, rules of men are very abstract. Uh, and actually have very little authority, uh, you know, other, other than that, they write them, okay? So they write them, so they're in charge of the rules that they write. Um, but they cannot, you know, there is no right to make up a rule for somebody else. We just had somebody come on the line. Yeah, David, it's uh, Chad Cater in Minnesota. Hey, Chad. How are you doing today? I'm good. 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 Thanks for joining me. So today, uh, just talking about uh, authority, what it is, uh, how the courts and the government get it, and uh, how it can be transferred, how it, you know, uh, how, to, how to keep authority, you know, your own authority when you're going into a courtroom. Uh, which is very important. Uh, you walk in, they assume that they're in charge because you showed up. Well, these are people coming on the line. Does <laughs> somebody else join us? Hello. That's all right. Um, so uh, when you go into court, uh, appearing for some sort of summons, uh, you're 
replying or responding to a uh, a court order or a summons to go to court or a ticket, um, you're going in there and automatically they assume that, you know, when they call your name and you say, it's me, uh, that you are giving them the authority uh, or assuming authority uh, because you showed up because they asked you to uh, or, you know, uh, they did ask you. Uh, they cannot tell you that it's not a forced thing. If it is a forced thing, then it's void. Um, and most of the time when you go into a court, you know it's a forced thing because the cop's going to show up if you don't go there, uh, you know, with a gun and his buddies and a warrant, and they're going to show up at your house and they're going to put you in the cage. So it's definitely forced. <laughs> um, and... Uh, some would say that authority comes uh, by the barrel of a gun. And, uh, again, that's power, okay, but it's not legitimate power. It's coerced power. It's, it's not real authority. It's not true authority. And the only one that we that have authority over us, uh, that, that has authority over us, would be ourself or our God, whoever that, you know, is to you. But uh, another man or woman has no authority over you, no legitimate authority over you. Uh, absolutely, it can be forced upon you, and a lot of the times that's the situation when you go into court, you find uh, yourself in, that, that uh, somebody is forcing their authority on you. Um, and the best way to deal with that is questions. Don't answer, just questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, how hard is it to ask questions? And a question isn't being uh, um, uh, contemptuous, okay? You're asking questions. You want information. You're trying to figure this out. And usually when you go into court, that's exactly what we're all trying to do, is figure out, one, why we're there and how to get out of there as fast as possible. But uh, when you're asking questions, you have every right to ask questions, as many as you want. Uh, and, and nobody has to put that into a constitution. Uh, it, it just is. So when you go in, uh, don't answer their questions. Ask, you know, uh, who do you say that, you know, ask the judge. Who, who am I to you? Uh, you know, or who do you think you are to me? And they're going to turn around and they're going to make a claim. They're going to tell you, well, I'm your judge. <laughs> That's a big claim. And... Uh, you know, once somebody makes that claim or any claim, they have to prove it, okay? So you can go into court and question all you want. You don't want to argue, okay? You don't want to state your own claims because then you have to prove them. But when you go into that court, if, if you're asking questions, you can ask questions all day and night. As long as you want to ask questions, you can ask questions. You don't have to answer anything. Uh, when you do answer questions, you know, uh, you you would be assumed to uh, be uh, giving in to their authority, okay? And they'll assume authority over you again, and, you know, then it's a push and pull. But if you continue just asking questions and then ask, ask them to prove their answers, especially if you're asking questions like, you know, who who do you think you are to me, to the judge? You know, they turn around and say, well, I'm your judge. Well, that's a, that is a claim. They do have to prove that. Force them to prove that. Ask them, hey, uh, you can, you're claiming that you are a uh, judge over me. 
what evidence do you have that gives you the authority to judge me? You know, and you could continue asking these questions all day long. Uh, in these courts, administrative courts are business courts. They are courts of business, and they do require contracts. Those contracts do set up the obligation of both parties. But if it's a one-sided contract that they are trying to join you to, okay, and you don't know this, uh, or you may know this, uh, you know, if you've been doing your research and studying, um, you know, they're trying to get you to join to a contract by the very act of asking for your name. So they say, you know, uh, next case they'll just say a name out, John Doe, um, and if you answer for John Doe, you're joining yourself to an adhesion contract. Uh, you just claim to be the one they're looking for. So you're giving them authority, even though you didn't realize you're giving them authority. You are. Um, when somebody has authority, it's something they've authored. Okay, and the government uh, they claim that uh, you know the people uh, or the representatives of the people these rules that everybody's supposed to live by. And uh, that may be so, okay? But an administrative uh, administration, okay, all businesses, all corporations ha have administration, okay? You've got the president or the CEO or the CFO, the, you know, um, vice president galore uh, all throughout the company. These are all corporate officers, okay? They are bound by their contract, by their employment contract, uh, to do what their employer tells them. So the employer does have authority over them. Well, that's what they're assuming when you come into court. In an administrative court, especially traffic tickets, uh, are, which are administrative, um, you know, pretty much any citation that you would get would be administrative. Uh, some. Uh, administrative agency of the government that the court is hearing uh, the issue on. So when you go in there, it's administrative. They do require a contract. Um, I think I've said it on a couple of shows that, uh, you know, I had a prosecutor say that it was the social contract, okay, that is binding me to the laws. Well, if that's the case, I need to see a copy of it. I need you to prove that this has bound me it can't just be a, you know, a blank statement. They have to prove it. You have to require them to prove it. Um, I was listening to uh, uh, George Carlin uh, a little earlier, and basically, and he's right, question everything, everything. If you don't question it, you're not learning anything for one, and two, you're not going, you know, uh, if you're being asked the questions and you're answering the questions, you're being interrogated, okay? You're the one supposed to be doing the interrogation here. If you believe that, uh, you know, they brought you in because of something that, you know, you legitimately did, okay, uh, you harmed somebody else, it's up to you before, you before you get there, okay, to handle that responsibly so that it never gets to the court, adjudicated outside. Uh, last week we were talking about trusts and private trusts, um, and Robert had mentioned that uh, they had gotten a car back for uh, one of the guys he was helping because they left the courtroom, 
and they administered that you know they had a meeting outside uh, a private meeting with the private trust of which the property in question before the court was owned so the the trustee uh, administrated uh, whose vehicle it was and and you know uh, sent the answer to this court said hey this has already been adjudicated and and here's the minutes to prove it so he basically took the jurisdiction from the court into his private trust so he very uh, successfully uh, transferred the authority from the public to the private which is really where you want to stay um, so when you go into court you're dealing in different jurisdictions a single court could have multiple jurisdictions and does have multiple jurisdictions um, or does claim multiple jurisdictions I should say um, <laughs> because uh, authority the only legitimate authority is by the consent of the one you know coming under that authority and uh, in contract law both parties are under whatever law is cited in in the contract so if you know if it's going to be uh, we're going to do this by God's law or common law or natural law or you know uh, the rules of civil law uh, criminal law it really doesn't make a difference um, you know but these are all different types of, of jurisdictions uh, or authorities that are being claimed and the only legitimate one is in a valid legitimate contract where men and women are concerned okay uh, not fictions but where men and women are concerned everything is by contract and actually in fictions everything is by paper and contract as well uh, to think about it but um, when you're dealing with fictions you're dealing with corporations there has to be a contract between you uh, the uh, other party okay and the one bringing suit where's the relationship okay so if, if McDonald's has a complaint okay and they say well I have a complaint against me okay and they try to bring me into court uh, I say I go in I say, well you know how how are you related to me how, how is McDonald's related to me in any way did I do something to harm you or, or your business or anything they have to have something that ties me in relationship to the party in interest okay they can't just say well he didn't uh, <laughs> you know he, he threw his garbage on the floor okay and uh, we had to pay somebody to clean it up now they're trying to come after you for a claim well you know I'm not under their authority that they can require me to pick up anything uh, or dispose of anything in any way shape or form okay because it's not an uh, it's not even an inferred contract when I walk in the door the only inferred contract that I have going into McDonald's is is that if I order something I place an order okay and they provide what I've ordered from them I'm it's inferred that I owe the payment for whatever it was that I ordered that's as far as it goes okay so the the authority to ask me for the money once they've given me the product sure they do have the authority to ask um, you know and that, and that would be a legitimate request that I pay them for the food that I just purchased 
um, or ordered. So um, once I've paid for it, I've, you know, it's uh, it's mine. Property's changed. End of contract. Um, when you're going into these courts, they always believe they have a contract with you. And a lot of folks, uh, most people out there, do have contracts in these courts, in these administrative courts. They have driver's licenses. They have got registrations or property that's registered. Um, you know, a, a business license um, could be any number of things that you know that are contracts between individuals and the estate or the state. Um, but again, these are all with your legal fiction as you as representative, okay? Uh, not you as the legal fiction or the legal person, okay? Because they're not dealing with that. Like I said earlier, author is the one who creates, and they have control over what they create, which means that they have authority. Authority is what they have. So if I create something on my property or, you know, I've been I've, – uh, built up my property and did things there, and I wanted to invite people over. Uh, I can invite people, and I can tell people, no, you can't come here. This is mine. Um, but these contracts that you're under with these people, uh, or what they claim you are under when you go into court, okay, you're going into court. You are. They're claiming that uh, you violated uh, their rules, their administrative codes, okay. And they're not claiming that you did it. They're claiming that your legal person did it, which is a fiction. So how could the fiction possibly have violated anything? It, it, it can't do anything on its own. Okay? So they have to create joinder in order to get authority. Okay? Um, is there any questions? I know I've got a few people on the line here. Does anybody have any questions concerning authority and, how, and jurisdiction? quiet group tonight. <laughs> I did, David. Um, when, when you mentioned like the driver's license contract and all that, so are, are you saying basically uh, in, in certain ways, I know the separation of the of, of you as compared to the legal fiction, um, is there a way to not, not be liable for that contract? Well, Without, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. Finish I, your I, your thought there. I'm I'm sorry. I, I thought I was done, and then I jumped back in. Um, you know, is there any way to do that without getting rid of the driver's license um, and registration and all that? Well, um, when you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure you you know from last week you were on the trust uh, uh, call as well. And when, when you register something with the public, you are basically entrusting it to the public. You're giving up legal title, okay? So they do have legal title of your vehicle, of your property, okay? Because they have that tag on the back that identifies it as, as such. It, you know, it's the state of whatever state you registered in, okay? Um, so you do have a contract there. You're trying, if I'm, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're trying to say, can you keep the license and the registration and still avoid the tickets <laughs> or the contract? Yeah, or, not, not the contract not, that you have. 
yeah, not not so much avoiding the tickets, uh, but separating yourself from that legal fiction, um, so you're not liable on those tickets. Um, you know, again, uh, you can bring in the legal person and turn it over to the you know the public uh, trustee to administer it. Okay, okay. that's one way to get, uh, avoid liability. Okay. Okay. Or like you if, you, if you are set up private, if you are set up privately, you can administer uh, and adjudicate it in the private. Don't even have to go into court, and then just send in your, you know, the minutes of uh, and uh, how how the uh, issue was adjudicated privately. <laughs> you know, and again, I wouldn't, you know, again, I wouldn't have a a registration on the vehicle that's owned in private. Okay. Uh, you'd have a different type of identifier on there, like this is property of thus and such trust. You know, um, it, it doesn't have the the state's uh, identifier on there, uh, identifying that it is that state's property. Okay, but as far as uh, license goes, you know, you were you were never told uh, had you've never had full disclosure of what the li having a license entails. Uh, and if you did, um, <laughs> you didn't read the book because you'd, you'd have found out that it wasn't required unless you're driving commercially in, in their system. Because you can still drive, you know, if you have a, a Mack truck privately held, okay, they are, the statutes don't apply to the private. They only apply to the public legal fiction side of things. The private side is where you're getting into facts. Okay, and it's a lot easier to prove those in, in facts than than you know trying to prove that, that a fiction exists or doesn't. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what you would be doing if you went in there with the you know, say, hey, I got a license and you know this license is the fiction, but it's got a picture of you on it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So it, that license is joined her right there because it's got an image of you attached to. The legal fiction. Okay. Okay. So they do have joined it. You pull out that ID, you know, a cop pulls you over and you pull out that ID, they go, ah, I got you. You know, we've identified one of ours. You know, and then they think they have a contractual right to uh, do whatever they have to do with their property and they consider you in that. Uh, in that moment as their property, okay? Because only an owner can do, you know, can decide what can be done uh, with the, the thing that they own, okay? And if at the very least, you should be able to say, hey, you know what? You don't own me. I own myself, okay? Because if they're acting uh, in authority over you, they're actually saying that, you know, they created you and that they own you. They have authority over you. They've, off they've authored your existence, <laughs> and now they're going to control it, okay? You can't say that about, you know, yourself as, as a man or a woman, if you're a woman, you know. Uh, they can't say, they, they can't make that claim that they've authored you or have control of what they've created when it is an actual breathing, living thing, which is 
well, I think it's very funny that people go and ask for permission to go hunting and fishing, you know? It gives me an image of, uh, you know, the state's got a, a you know, a, a little spot down the road there, a little factory where they create all the elk and, 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 and deer running around and, you know, all these other things that they are licensing. Uh, I had a friend of mine actually yesterday said that uh, he's having an issue in town um, he lives in town, and they're telling him that they're going to fine him $100 for not licensing his dog. I said, well, you know, <laughs> I told him, I said, tell him that the dog doesn't need a license. He's not interested in driving. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not ridiculous that, that they would think that they have control or authority over, you know, everything out there that they haven't created. And that's the big issue. I mean, that's why, why else would they create a system of legal fictions, okay, if they already had authority over, you know, uh, you and I? Now, if you hear folks from other countries, especially ones that are under, you know, the Queen of England, okay, Her Majesty the Queen and, and you know, God save the queen, and, you know, the queen is uh, there under God's authority over, you know, they put her in charge of everybody else, <laughs> you know. But that's exactly what they're saying, you know, the divine right of kings and queens, uh, which is a crock. The, you know, she's still got to go to the bathroom. You know, she didn't create you or, or I, um, and, and, and no more than this government here has, Okay. So in our own authority, I mean, we have authority over ourselves, maybe our children, okay? But we don't have authority over our neighbors. We, none of us have that right. We'd have to create something in order for it, us to have authority over it. And that is, you know, um, I got a document back. I'm helping somebody with a, with a credit issue, and the court won't even look at it, okay? They have a document in New York that is a request for judicial intervention, okay? And it's a form that they've authored. They created it. It's as abstract as it gets. <laughs> There's a dozen boxes and lines and, you know, uh, breaks in this, in, the, in this document, and then they have you sign it under penalty of perjury, kind of like a tax return, okay? Now, how could you even know what you're doing if the document itself makes no sense or, or points to a hundred different things, you know? Um, and they could use any of that. They could say, oh, you left that blank. You, you know, you've committed perjury by omission, you know? They could add a check to something, and now you're, you know, you're liable for something that, that you have nothing to do with. So usually, uh, always, when, when I'm dealing with the court, I author my own documents. I don't, you know, I'm not using the court's documents or the government's documents on things. Um, whoever creates the contract is, you know, uh, has authority, has authored uh, the situation that is being contracted. Okay, so when you fill out that application for your license or your registration, <laughs> The authority is there because they created that in the first place. It's just like an insurance company creating an insurance policy. All it is is a document that states what they'll, you know, 
You pay them, and they'll be responsible to pay for this, that, or the other. Okay? But they wrote the document, so they can turn around and deny claims or change, uh, you know, change the terms, uh, you know, depending on how well you are versed in reading and analyzing contracts uh, to make sure that it's, uh, you know, it's a win-win and not a one-sided contract where, you know, you lose all your authority. Did that did that help at all there? <laughs> yes, it did. Thank you. You're welcome. So I um, there's uh, you know when you when you're dealing with the court and contracts, you know I do like to use constructive contracts, especially going into court. You know, uh, can you have the judge uh, or anybody? You know, hey, do you want a contract? You know, here's my contract. I'm not interested in your contract. Um, you know, these are the terms of why I'll be here, <laughs> you know, and, and try to have fun with it. Because usually when somebody hears, oh, you know, this person's in, an, you know, uh, a position of authority, right away they get a, you know, they become fearful. Because at that point, you know, they're thinking that somebody has uh, the ability to boss them around, which is basically, uh, you know, uh, the definition of, of authority, one of the definitions of authority, um, you know, is the right to order people to do something. And uh, that is not, uh, you know, a position you want to be under. It is not a position you want to be under. You don't want to be under the power or the thumb of anybody else. Um, so, in the, I mean, and this goes across the board with just about any law or type of law out there, okay? Business law, you're always dealing with contracts. So, you know, you, you've got a contractor coming in, you subcontract work to him, you know? You, you have a separate contract for each and every situation. And uh, most people learn the hard way, especially if you're, you know, dealing with relatives or friends, you know, you don't think you need a contract, and next thing you know, you've got no, you know, no friend or your family is, is distant, and, and you've got issues between the parties, you know, in the relationship that all could have easily been solved by having a simple agreement, you know, and both abiding, you know, agreeing to it, the terms, and, and abiding by the terms. Um, but when somebody claims to have authority over you, they're claiming that they have a contractual right to have that authority over you, you know? So a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, you voted for representatives, so you gave them the authority, you know, win or lose, if it was your, you know, if it was your turd that, that won, uh, you know, uh, win or lose, you're under the authority of whatever they decide to make up in Congress next week, okay? Because they, they're your representatives, so they did it on your behalf, okay? as if you were there yourself. They were your agent, okay? And that's what they're claiming. I say, show me the contract, <laughs> you know? Uh, anybody who's been on my Facebook page knows I'm not a voter. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't believe in, uh, you know, uh, in voting. I believe it's a, uh, uh, an, an evil practice, <laughs> a very violent practice, um, and it's easily assumed that you're giving your rights over to 
these people that are being voted for uh, calling themselves your representatives. And they assume that because they had votes that they automatically have this authority over everybody else. Um, it is an assumption, and it is a fiction, uh, which can be rebutted very easily by asking questions. And when you're in court or, or any position where they're asking, you know, where, where somebody is claiming they have authority over you, question the authority. How did you get this authority? <laughs> Do we have a contract? Did I give you this authority to, you know, to do this or that? You know, and, and I guarantee if you're sitting there uh, and, you're, and you're having this conversation with a cop or a judge or, or even a politician, you're going to see them get angry because they've taken over the role of sovereign over you. Okay? They're assuming that they have authority over you, that they're sovereign over you, and they're exercising that sovereign authority, no different than the queen's uh, imagined authority from God to rule over everybody else, uh, you know, at her disposal. Okay? And that's exactly what the judge is acting like. That is exactly what the cop is acting like on the, on the side of the road there. But don't be afraid to ask them because it's going to come back. They're going to, you know, as long as you keep asking them the questions, you know, uh, where did you get that authority from over me? Oh, well, you know, the city council, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a city police officer. So the city council uh, gave me my authority. Well, who is this, you know, who is the city council to me? You know, that's a tougher question to ask. But uh, it's a much tougher question to answer for them, especially a cop, because they're not usually uh, very well versed in law uh, or logic, for that matter. So when you know when you're asking them these questions, they'll 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 tend to um, uh, they'll tend to get angrier faster than a judge, who most of the time knows what you're trying to do. Okay, at this point. Um, you know, they have classes uh, that teach them how to deal with people who claim that, you know, there's no authority. They have no authority over them, okay? And they'll use little tricks and uh, uh, inferences and assumptions to get over not having authority over you. When you go into these administrative courts, that's why I said earlier, if you, if you go into their court, you hand over the legal person, the, the, the fiction. Here, do what you want with it. Doesn't doesn't matter to you. You could still walk out. It's not you're not joined to it at that point. You could walk out or you could sit and watch. Um, but you're not joined to that legal fiction at that point, and you've created a trustee relationship which transfers the authority to administrate that that uh, estate to the judge as trustee. Okay? So his only his, his only authority or her only authority at that point is to rule in favor of, you know, beneficial to the trust and to the beneficiaries of that trust because that's the oath that they have to take, okay? That's, that's where um, you leave it at that point, you know? Why, why fight over licenses? Why argue at all, you know? Are you a public trustee? Yes. Well, here's the public trust that I'd like for you to administer. Uh, I only have a beneficial interest, but I am not the legal person. Uh, administer away. I'll sit and watch. <laughs> you 
You know, I'm not arguing. You know, knock yourself out. Now, if they ask me a question, I'll answer with another question. You know, but I'm not going to answer their questions because it's an attempt to take back authority over me. Okay? So if you're arguing over licenses, you're arguing over something that they own, that they created and that they authored, something that they have authority over. They do. You just signed on to it. And that could have been, you know, again, because you weren't uh, uh, fully aware of what you were signing on for. Um, you know, there wasn't full disclosure in, in, in the uh, terms of the agreement that you signed on for. Uh, but you were told from birth, basically, that you had to have one. Okay? So most people assume that they have to have one, which makes their job in the court much, much easier. Okay? It wouldn't work otherwise. Otherwise, everybody would walk in and hand them the legal person and walk out. Have a nice day. Good luck getting anything from it. You know? And unfortunately, they've already been paid. <laughs> you know? Uh, if you go back to 1913, 1933, and, and the, the raw deal, uh, they took all the gold and silver, and everything left is lies and fiat, fiction. There's no actual value there. Okay? And, uh, you know, it's still dealing in the world of fictions. Um, you want to make sure that they have a contract to deal with you, not the legal person, but you. And you can do that, uh, you know, with or without a license. You know, so long as you don't uh, pull that license out in the middle of the court, <laughs> uh, you could argue that, but why argue? You know, I mean, you're, you're trying to win. You're not trying to argue. You're not trying to win an argument. Uh, you know, uh, my father was a gambler, and uh, he says, if you don't have anything in the pot, you win. You know, that means you've got nothing to lose, so you actually won. You, you've saved yourself time, money, aggravation, uh, you know, stress, stress, threats, all these different things of having to deal with it when you, uh, you know, discourage the fiction from, from joining you to it. Okay? Uh, I'm going to take a couple minutes break here, and I will be back. Um, please hang on the line, and if you have any questions, I'll, I'll take those questions when I get back. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And, again, if... Uh, the show is a help to you, and if the information is a help to you, if you need more help, feel free to uh, contact me by, uh, by email or a private message, and I will get back to you quickly, and hopefully I can help you with whatever you're uh, having problems with. Uh, again, hold on for a couple minutes, and uh, I'll be back with the show. You're listening to How to Win in Court Without a Liar.
Welcome back to the show, How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Horowitz, and I'm your host today, uh, discussing um, jurisdiction or authority, power, over uh, individuals or fictions, corporations. Um, I I have a couple of quotes here um, from cases, um, or you've got... uh, Marbury versus Madison, which uh, which states all all laws, rules, and practices which are repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. Um, so the Constitution itself, they're saying, is uh, where the authority comes from. Okay, and that it was constructed by people uh, 200 plus years ago, the founding fathers, uh, as they're called, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, these are rules uh, you know, with the understanding that I can't make up rules for my neighbor. You know, nobody 200 years ago or 1,000 years ago can make up rules for me without my consent. Uh, there's another case here. Uh, there can be no limitations on the power of the people of the United States. By their authority, the state constitutions were made, and by their authority, the Constitution for the United States was also uh, established. That's uh, Hausenstein versus Lehman, uh, 100 U.S. 483. Um, the United States Supreme Court declares that the sovereignty remains with the people. Now, sovereignty is the power, the authority, and that's, you know, uh, so the, the power behind the Constitution, they're saying, is the, the individual, okay? And it resides and stays with the people. Uh, Yick Wo uh, versus Hopkins and Wo Lee Hopkins. And that no action can be taken against a sovereign in the non-constitutional courts of either the United States or the state courts or any such action is considered the crime of baratry. Baratry is an offense at common law, uh, State v. Batson. Okay. Um, some, you know, somebody that's bringing a case okay, uh, in court, uh, whether it be, you know, if it's against you, they're claiming that they have the authority to do so, okay? Uh, so the prosecutor who's bringing the case into the court is claiming that they have a, a, a right to bring you there, okay? They have the authority to have you uh, picked up uh, with summons because you've wronged them in some way, okay? But it's not them. It's the party in interest would be the one who they represent. Well, if they're representing a fiction, how could there be harm done? How could you harm a fiction? How can you harm Snoopy or Mickey Mouse? <laughs> uh, you can't. You know, nor can you have a contract with them. Okay? Uh, if you did, you'd know it. <laughs> For sure you would know it. But you can enter into these contracts, uh, you know, uh, a fiction on its own can't do anything, which is why there's all these agents that, that will bring you in, like a prosecutor as an agent of the court or an officer of the court, uh, also an agent of the fictional state. Okay, So the only way that the state can act is if a real person puts on a mask, a persona, and uh, plays that part. Okay? but then they're going into the realm of fictions, okay? And 
other than, uh, I mean, common law, very simply, uh, the contract creates the law that it's governed under. Okay? So when you go into court here, they're assuming that you have an administrative responsibility to, if it's a traffic, tic a traffic ticket, you've got an administrative responsibility to the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, if you have a license or a registered vehicle in, in you know, uh, the administrative office of the Department of Motor Vehicles for whatever state, um, you know, first you've got to, you know, you, you've got to go at that contract. Uh, you know, uh, you can either void the contract or you can separate yourself from being joined to that contract uh, going into that court. Um, and again, that's much easier than arguing over the fiction of the license itself, um, you know, or making these other arguments. You're arguing, you're babbling basically the same legalese that they're trying to use to trick you into believing that they have authority over you, okay? And you're arguing in their language. You're foreign to that. You're, you, you know, as a, as a man or a woman, you're totally foreign to the courts, okay, to the government. Okay, the only thing that's domestic are corporations. It's the only thing that can be domestic to the, to the, to the government. Okay, or the employees of the government. They all have employment contracts that have the law stated in them, and they sign them, and they, and they become agents. Okay, so they're bound by those rules, just like an employee at McDonald's would be. So... Anyway, was there anybody that had any uh, comments or, or questions? Okay. Well, keep going on here. Um, um, David, can you hear me? I can. Uh, this is Linda Ooh. in Virginia. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? Okay. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Did you have a question? Um, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on a, a bill of particulars. Are you familiar with that? I am. I am. I mean, provide what, what, what obviously. Your... <laughs> what, uh, in what context? Well, I mean, obviously, you've already passed uh, uh, consent and jurisdiction or you wouldn't be I, I I guess can you can you ask for a bill of particulars without um, admitting consent or you know the reason well, you can the ask them to validate it. you can ask them to validate a debt because that's what they're claiming no it's they're not, claiming you owe a debt to about. society what I'm talking about is um, so many times when charges are brought, they're very vague and arbitrary and unspecific, and that's what happened to me. You know, I, to I told you my story about code enforcement came after me. Yes. And when, when they did that, um, they, did, they said it in such a way that it was just, just broad, sweeping statements, you know, Sure. And they didn't say anything specific. And this happens so often that, um, you know, you're not even sure 
really what you did, what what the issue is, you know. Well, right. So you you I, can ask you can ask for the nature and cause of the action at any time. Okay. So you can ask them to to clarify the the nature and cause of the action against you, so that you actually can comprehend what they're what you know what they're trying to charge you with. Okay. Well, I've noticed this is that now this is before I knew, you know, I knew everything that I know now, but about consent and jurisdiction and due process and all that. But, you know, back when I didn't know any better, uh, I would just fall prey, you know. And um <clears throat> I did use a bill of particulars a couple of times, and I did notice that I noticed the difference between, you know, so many things you say or you ask for, they just treat with disregard. But mm-hmm. I did notice that when I used, when I said that, they just really paid attention, you know, and the, 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 catch, the catch with that is that, um, you request a bill of particulars and they must respond in so many days, you know, or, or so many, so much time. And they actually set it, they actually set it, um, a date for it, you know? So there must be something to that, that they have to. Sure there is. Sure there is. Because what you're doing there, okay, is you are kind of acting as the administrator for the trust from a trustee standpoint. Okay, you're trying to handle what's going on. So they're expecting a commercial remedy. Okay, that you're going to provide a commercial remedy if you if they provide you with the bill. Any bill has to have the remedy right there. Okay, they have to have the they have to provide a remedy if they provide the bill of particulars. Mm-hmm. Okay, which when you go into that. Uh, you know, if you head into the, in that direction, and if that's what you're studying uh, and learning about, um, you can always experiment with it, especially if it's not that big of an issue uh, where you're going to end up in a cage. Um, you know, they're going to expect you to understand. <laughs> they're going to expect you to understand at the end once they provide you with that bill how you are going to remedy that bill using commercial remedy. Okay. They're going to expect you to accept it, okay? You can accept it, which is honorable, okay? Uh, You you can do conditional acceptance and all this other stuff, okay? But this is all commercial remedy. You are playing in their sandbox, okay? And if you do anything other than accept the bill, okay, and then remit it, uh, you know, send it back as, uh, you know, uh, accepted for value, returned for value, you know, exempt from levy and, and uh, you know, send that off to the governor of the IMF, you know, which is your head of the, the Treasury Department. You have to complete that thing or you'll be in dishonor of the situation you're putting yourself in when asking for one. And the issue is the layperson it, I guess it comes down to sequence of when you do something. You know, we've talked about consent, that the minute you enter a courtroom and he call, the, your name is called and you say, I'm here, then you're consenting, you know. Yep. It can be that simple. 
Right, so, but here I am. Here I am with a um, with a charge of whatever kind, you know, and and I'm not understand. You know, it's not clear to me what specifically I need to do or what specifically I have done. So I want clarification on what I'm being accused of or what what yeah. the issue is or whatever. But that's so not the bill. Guess, that's not necessarily the bill of particulars. It can be. It can be. But you are well, what, you are opening up a commercial remedy there where you could just ask what the you know, clarification on the nature and cause of the proceedings. Or the action that's coming against you. Yeah, but how do you ask that? You know, if you do a bill of particulars, it's in writing. You know, yes. if you ask for the nature and the and the cause, I've you know, in my case, like I said, I immediately when I got um, notice of the charge, I immediately filed a uh, counterclaim, and I put okay. in there all the all the issues, you know, no due process, uh, it, that it's vague and arbitrary, unspecific, um, I don't know, just everything, you know. But those aren't and, claims. Well, they can be claims. Yes, they can be claims. But then what happens is, is the burden of proof goes to you, okay? Cause you because you just made a bunch filed, of claims. Because you counter filed a counterclaim? Yes. In other words, you you're filed a counterclaim? Exactly. Exactly. You're filing. You're 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 ready to argue. You're not just asking questions. Okay. Okay. You can ask all the questions you want from from the second you get to court until you know the janitor sweeping up and and begging you to leave. Okay. You I can know, ask but I'm all telling, the questions you want. I'm telling you, you they you're treated with the you know so much of what you say is treated with disregard. Yes. And they they just um, totally ignore it. You know, That's no okay. matter what you, you ask, continue to what ask you your say. questions. Well, how could they? How could they expect you to take responsibility for something that you don't understand uh, is your responsibility to begin with? Okay, it's it's so like you, you're you asking questions. questions, and the and the train their train just keeps on moving. You know. Yeah. So. And how do you stop it from moving? I, I don't do know. That's what I. I guess questions. that's. I guess that's what I'm saying is how do you stop the train? You know. Sure. Um, sure. But again, it's you're you're if they're asking you the questions, okay? They're asking you what is you know, uh, what is it that you want? You know, you, instead of filing a counterclaim, okay, you can answer. You could just you you can send in an answer, uh, and a request for you know clarification okay uh, on, on whatever points you need clarification on so you know and they you know they have to clarify for you uh, the matter before the court or they, you know if it's that arbitrary that, that nobody can actually say what it is okay then what is what, what's the point of being in that courtroom the judge will get frustrated if the prosecutor can't come up with the nature and cause of why you're even there and, and explain that to you, because you're simply asking them to explain to you what, what the heck am I doing here, okay? Now, if they say, okay, well, you owe a debt because of this code violation, okay, now you can say, hey, you're saying that I owe you a debt. 
I need a debt huh? validation letter. You know, you give them a, uh, you ask them to validate that debt, and you can do that in writing through a debt validation letter. Um, yeah. You know, what contract do I have with you that uh, requires me to, you know, do what you're asking me to do, or not do what you, you know, uh, what what you didn't want me to do? Why you why you're charging? Which is the reason why they're charging you? Show me that contract. Show me a valid contract that required me to 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 follow these rules. Okay, and you're asking for what? What gives them the authority? That's why. That's why you're doing this. You really well, are trying guess, to get down to where did they get the authority from? You know, it's the whole point of, like I said, so often it's not specific, or or they don't sign it. There's no signature, or you know, it, there's so much of that, and. No one step. No one steps up to the plate. You know, in a sense. And uh, well, if you if, you know, if they didn't sign it, and there's issue with with the you know with, with the document, um, you know, there there's um, these these are definitely things that that can be attacked. Okay, but the second you are attacking, you're arguing. Now you're playing in their jurisdiction, which is not where you want it to be to begin with. The second you are going to argue, okay, they're, 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 the courtroom is, is, is meant for folks to argue over questions uh, of, 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 you know, uh, of statutes. I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would definitely do things differently uh, in the future, you know. But let me let me ask you another question. You talked about consent. Uh, that that whole. Uh, by the way, that was a that was a. a wonderful, you know, program on consent. Um, Thank you. But uh, now, does that go to jurisdiction? Because I've heard it other, other. I'm thinking, if you're not consenting, is the fact that you're not consenting, that you're not consenting to their jurisdiction? Is that, does that come down to jurisdiction? It always does, you know. You're challenging jurisdiction means you're challenging their authority over you. Okay? When you're challenging jurisdiction, you're, ca- you're challenging the jurisdiction they have over you or your property. Okay? So if, they're, if they have you in there for a traffic violation, they're assuming authority over the thing. The in-rem jurisdiction is over the, the vehicle itself and the license and registration itself. They have jurisdiction over those three things if it's registered with the state, okay? And you're registered by license through the state. So they're taking authority. Uh, Their jurisdiction is over those three things, the property, the vehicle, the registration on that vehicle, and the license to use the vehicle means that you're using it in public trust. You're using that property in public trust under permission and license, of the state that you're, you know, that it's registered with. So, you know, by getting those things, you've consented, and that's what they're going to assume, which puts you in a in a position to have to rebut it, okay, or have you know uh, use use a, a questioning Socratic method to get them to the truth of what's going on there, okay. But you don't want to argue. You don't want to argue in there in the court because you're automatically giving jurisdiction to the 
what's supposed to be an impartial referee. Okay? You're not arguing. If you're arguing with the judge, your your adversary is the prosecutor. Okay? But if you're arguing before the judge, you're giving that judge and that court jurisdiction by, you know, uh, not by your actions. Okay? Which is a type of consent. It's implied by your actions. So if you're going... Consent, if you're going in there for, you know, your car or your property or your, I guess, yourself, um, yeah, I've always had the sense that you're doomed before you even go in the courtroom, you know. And how do you, do they... From what I've listened to so far, they have to get jurisdiction or they can't hear the case. But you're saying that they, are you saying that they automatically have jurisdiction in, with property and, and vehicles? Hello? 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 Oh, there you are. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of fade out here. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I was I was saying that if it's in the case of property or vehicles or yourself, I guess, you're going to have to pay money, then do they automatically have jurisdiction? Or My understanding is they have to get jurisdiction over you. Well, they do. Okay? They do end up they do have to get jurisdiction over you, okay? But again, if you're if you're tied to you know if the property in question, your vehicle in this case, or your registration of that vehicle has their ID on the vehicle itself, which identifies it as public property, okay, and that you have a license, okay, they're going to assume that you've contracted and the law is in the contract, okay. And that has to be rebutted. All all assumptions in the court have to be rebutted. Okay? Rebutted without making a claim. Okay? And, and that's the challenge. And, and if you, if you, if you uh, do a, a statement and say that you do not consent, does that, that uh, satisfy that? Um, you can do an affidavit that, that, that you know denies them consent to uh, govern you. Sure, you know if, if nothing else, it's a it's a uh, it's something that you've offered or offered, I should say, offered um, that you have authority over to be able to do that. Okay, and you can, you absolutely can. Um, going back to last week's uh, discussion on trust, that's the best way to do it. You know, because now there's separation, okay? Legal title is transferred to the private, okay? And, and it doesn't stay in the public. So now when you go in there, all you got to do is, is show evidence that, that you, you know, that that property in REM jurisdiction belongs in the, in the private trust and not in the public trust. They can't adjudicate it at that point because the property doesn't belong to them. They're not owner. At that point, legal title holder, so they can't decide what can and can't be done with that specific property. 
And is that so, in the case of a re, of a either a revocable or irrevocable trust? In a, in a well, the public trust is a revocable trust. A private trust, a true private trust, is irrevocable, which is why it makes it a true trust, because you're entrusting somebody with it indefinitely. Okay, that's real trust. Something that the trust that can be revoked is 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 not you know that's like uh, acquaintances you know and uh, the difference between an acquaintance and a friend mm. you know there's a, there's a there's a big difference there you know uh, an acquaintance you may see once in a while you know but you don't have any real relationship with where in a trust you have to have a relationship you know a, a, a good trusting relationship or the trust breaks down and, and falls apart. Okay, but in a, in a private trust is irrevocable. Uh, public trusts, statutory trusts, uh, even a statutory irrevocable trust is revocable by the authority or whoever authored it. Which, in 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 a statutory uh, trust, the ones who author the uh, the terms of that trust is the government. They do it by statute. What can and can be and can't be held in trust, and uh, you know all the terms and, and the legal situs under which it's going to be uh, administered. So separating, you know, if, if, like I said, get back to your question is is that in order to separate, in order to separate the two. Um, you know, you've got to break those adhesion contracts and move it over to the private side. Um, again, even if you don't have a trust set up or anything like that, you, you know, you, you as, a, as a woman have all the authority that you need to say, I do not consent to be a party to any of this. Not at all. And unless you can prove that I did consent to be a party, my express, you know, dissent stands. Why? And they have to prove what's oh, that? I see. Okay. I see. So I, I heard somebody come on. Is, is Catherine on? Yes, I am. Hey, Catherine. Is, uh, I just want to, can you mind if I introduce you now? And... Sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, we got on the show tonight, uh, Catherine Hine, and she is, uh, or was, I should say, uh, uh, practicing attorney in Ohio for, was that 42 years? Yeah, well, it was split up. I had about 15 years in Oklahoma and about 30 or so in Ohio. And the last 10 years, I have not done anything. I've been licensed, but I figure I'm, I'm just going to resign. I didn't want to be part of this mess anymore. I've kept in touch with what's going on in the in the fake legal system for the last 10 years and it's just it, it goes way beyond what I used to see before but you know it's pretty it's pretty bad as we know. <laughs> well, um, you, you say that the fake legal system and I and I and I love that because fake is fiction is lies is you know and um, you know it's it, it's great that you finally uh, you know Step back from it for a little bit and got some perspective, 
um, but your experience in that system um, is kind of like having having the playbook for the other side. <laughs> you know, then maybe you can share. I never an insider, really, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I was I was listening to you uh, in, in the in the, uh, the caller uh, regarding jurisdiction, which it seems like everything always boils down to, especially if some corporation is going after you in some way, and and so that's why I, I wanted to talk about consent and to do this that was deemed to have consented, but actually there's a time honored. Uh, line of cases, um, some of which have consequences. Hold, hold on, hold on one second, Catherine. Somebody's getting a lot of feedback on on the line. Uh, if, anybody, if everybody else could maybe mute their mute their call. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, on, Catherine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that uh, this this consent thing, uh, as far as that we even have the power to uh, consent to non-existent jurisdiction, um, we don't. There's a long line of cases that say we don't. So that 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 can be, I think, uh, particularly useful to people who may already be deemed to have consented uh, as defendants because they filed an answer, they filed a motion to dismiss, they, they entered the courtroom, any of a number of things that they, they did that will be deemed uh, to, to be consent because the other part is, you know, um, basically it's black letter law in their system, the parties cannot give a court jurisdiction of the subject matter by their consent or acquiescence. There's, there's a case that is discussed in this law review article where a woman um, obtained a mail-order Mexican divorce from her first husband. Uh, she then married again. Um, the first husband died in an industrial accident, um, so the wife, uh, pursuing the no consent rule and the compensation made her claim for the death benefit. So she argued that since the mail order divorce was void, she was still a legal wife of of, her, of the first husband and therefore entitled to the death benefit. Uh, of course, this was on in an administrative court too. Um, the Mexican court, of course, did lack jurisdiction of the subject matter. Uh, and, and the wife's divorce was clearly void, uh, and therefore uh, neither she nor her husband's consent uh, gave the, that Mexican court jurisdiction. You can't confer on somebody something that, that it or they don't have. Um, so the, the death benefit uh, court indicated then that uh, it was barred for other reasons. Uh, under quasi estoppel, still get a lot of feedback here. Yeah, uh, I actually I think I, I know who I know this because I was right. Somebody have this on speaker. That's. Uh, 
uh, calling it type type is uh, hold on, Kathy. If everybody, if everybody on the line could could mute mute their uh, phone so we don't get all the feedback. There we go. Maybe. No, no, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a type color. I'm sending you the email. <laughs> get off the call. Um, We're still getting feedback? Yeah. No, there we go. I think it's that's better. Oh, maybe. That's better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was <laughs> I'm sorry. Recognize the technical stats. difficulties. <laughs> All right, so you were saying that uh, you can't confer jurisdiction where there was none prior, so um, kind of uh, because they had a... Go ahead. Well, they may get you in in another way if you're in their administrative process. I mean, it seems like no matter what we're talking about, if you present this argument or whatever to to a, a fake corporate court, you know, you're going to get something that's that's conducive to the the corporation, the uh, the corporate court's bottom line. It's not going to be, and they can justify anything, you know. Sure. Um, sure. So you, you're just not going to you're not going to get anywhere. Um, some some for legitimate reasons. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, it's because. We are the enemy of the state, and so and they are the employees of the state. So you figure it out, you know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I suggest always uh, separation. You know, uh, breaking. Uh, you know, uh, withdrawing from any implied contracts, any express contracts with the state, and dealing with things from a private side. Uh, you know, as, as a man and woman, as a, as, as a fact, and not as a uh, legal or juristic person, which is a fiction. You know, if you go in there, um, you know, like w- what we were talking about earlier was that, uh, you know, if you go in there and you ask for a bill of particulars, okay, they're expecting mm-hmm. commercial remedy. They're going to expect you to say, accept whatever the bill is and return value for it, okay? Um, you know, they're not going to expect you to argue the bill as if it's not owed, okay? So you have to know your commercial remedy very well to, to you know, to, to use that battle. You, you know, you really do need to know your UCC code. You do need to know your commercial remedy. Um, otherwise, you know, they are going to trip you up. And it's a lot harder to go in there and, 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 you know, swat at fictions when it's very simple to, you know, ask the, the, the one standing there in the, in the black robe, who do you think, you know, you are to me? And, and they get an answer. Yeah, I never an expected really answer. Looked, I never really look beyond, I guess when you're talking about bill particulars, you, you're talking about something in, I don't know, in common law maybe, I only am familiar with the civil rules reference to uh, 
to a bill of particulars and that you have, you know, the, the right to, to demand uh, uh, an explanation, you know, a factual... Nature um, and cause, yeah. A, the substance of the, the legal conclusions they're putting out there in the complaint. Right. And, and again, from a civil side, that is what it is. From a, from a, um, a common law side, a bill of particulars is a bill you know, for the services rendered that you're being charged for, okay? Um, right. You know, you're being charged for services, okay? Uh, you've benefited somehow, um, and or you've uh, broken the rules that you've contracted to uphold. And, um, you know, again, you're dealing with commercial remedies. So you're dealing in a fictional administrative venue where you don't belong as a man or a woman to begin with. And it's yes, a much easier right. process. <laughs> it's a much easier process to administrate your own rules outside of the court over your own property, uh, including yourself, because nobody owns you except you. Um, you know, uh, and when you were registered at birth, okay, they are claiming ownership of your legal person. They named it the same thing as you to confuse you and make their, uh, you know, their fictional rules um, uh, apply, you know. But without the joinder to the real man or woman, they don't apply without your consent or, or uh, your, your lack of dissent, okay, because they'll assume jurisdiction, they'll assume that they have authority to do so, um, if you don't uh, belligerently deny and rebut their assumptions. Can you clarify a little so, bit more about, I've been hearing about the belligerent uh, aspect of this um, for, for about a month now. I, I'm just, by the way, you know, I, I'm just maybe six months into studying this, and I know you're 30 years or so into studying it, so I didn't quite no get problem. that aspect. No problem. Uh, belligerent claimant. Uh, give me a second here because I've got, uh, let's see. The, pri the privilege, now this goes here, uh, U.S. v. Johnson. Okay, Federal, Federal District Court Judge James Alger Fee ruled that the privilege against self-incrimination is neither accorded to the passive resistant, not to the person who is ignorant of his rights, nor to the one who is indifferent thereto. It is, it is a fighting clause. Its benefits can be retained only by sustained combat. It cannot be claimed by an attorney or a solicitor. It is valid only when insisted upon by a belligerent claimant in person. That's McAllister v. Henkel. Um, so is this basically part of, 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 of having a case in controversy? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Is part of having, uh, having a case in controversy, the belligerent aspect? Oh, it's anyone. I mean, again, if, you can't, if you're not willing to stand up and fight for your rights, they're going to assume you have none, okay? Right. If you're not willing to stand and, and resist, uh, they're going to assume that, that you've, you know, seceded or, or, or quit, Okay. First one, you know, there's legal maxims, you know, uh, the first one to walk off the field of battle loses, okay? Um, right. 
there you know so uh by staying in 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 uh what they're saying as far as belligerent uh you know a belligerent claimant okay is somebody who's claiming something okay and they are not going to give up their position they're not going to give up their claim it's a fighting clause even if the you know if the fight is brought to you or you're bringing the fight okay squeaky wheel gets the oil Right. You well, know, the, and then there's the, a maxim of, of equity that, you know, you, you cannot bring a claim, I guess, uh, it, where you have slumbered on your rights. It's not a statute of limitations. Correct. There aren't any in common law. Or, I guess, equity. I don't know. I'm not sure about oh, that. Oh, well, you get that all the time. You get, I mean, you do get that, uh, you know, that... Uh, I, I've had that where that lawyers say, uh, you know, well, they slumbered on his right. You know, he slumbered on his rights to, uh, you know, to, to redeem his property, um, you know, for what started as a, as a $400 tax bill and, you know, turned into a, uh, a civil forfeiture. Okay, they say, oh, well, he slept on his rights, you know. Uh, you know, so he deserved to have fraud committed against him and his property stolen. You know, and these lawyers think that, uh, you know, that that's one they always use, you know, that, uh, well, he slept on his rights. He didn't, he didn't uh, speak up. And now, you know, too late. We're already in the heat of battle, you know. So, right. yeah, yeah, but a belligerent claimant is one that's not going to give up their claim. You know, they're going to fight and, you know, provide evidence until, you know, they get there, until they get, until it's heard, you know. And this is how you have to be, um, you know, Linda, you were saying, you know, they, they run right over you in court. You've got to be belligerent. You know, when I told the judge, hey, you claim to be my judge, come walk, you know, come walk on water, I'm being belligerent. You know, I'm belligerently no, forcing her to claim. <laughs> To claim her, I don't, you know, to, to prove her claim. I don't think I don't I don't think you understand the environment here because it's very difficult to get to say anything. You know, it's supposed to be your day in court or whatever. You know, I um, when I went to the the trial part of this whole thing, I probably objected twenty five times. In fact, the judge said, if you if, told me if I objected again, he was going to hold me in contempt. And I said, well, Your Honor, I said, I have to object on the record for appeal. And there was nothing he could say. And I continued to object. But almost every time the prosecutor went to say something, I was saying objection. The, the, if, you get the, if you get the recording of that hearing, it's it's just almost all me saying objection 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 you know right. you're not given an opportunity to say anything they it's like i said the the train is moving and it just runs over you right you and know? that's yeah. that's <laughs> part of being the belligerent claimant <laughs> I know it runs over you, and, and I know that they, they, you know, holding you in contempt, asking questions is not contempt. Well, it's I was listening contempt. to I was listening to call I was listening to Carl Miller's uh, thing on the Constitution, and the funny thing is, he said he was talking real fast. I had to play it back like ten times to to get what he was saying, you know. And then he said, um, 
well, excuse me for talking fast, he said, but, you know, you learn that you have to talk fast in court or you're not going to be able to get it out. I mean, this, this is so ridiculous. You know, this is what I talk about. The, the heroics that we have to go through, you know, to just state our case, you know, is just ridiculous. Right, but if you're stating your case, you're arguing and giving them jurisdiction. <laughs> if well, you're stating no, your I, case, like if you're arguing well, like a I case, said, you are giving them jurisdiction. Since I've learned a lot of this, I would, I would do it differently and, I, and hopefully not even get to that point. But um, the, the idea of, maybe it's for anyone out there, you know, the idea that you're going to go in there and argue your case it's just not going to happen, you know. You've got to figure out well, how how to, um, you know, avoid joinder. <laughs> yeah, and end it before it even starts, you know. Right. Well, that's exactly the answer, though, is to avoid the joinder because, again, once you start arguing, you are in their jurisdiction. Um, you know, Catherine, how 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 often did you see that happen? You know. In, in the divorce court years, or in gotten, any of these courts, yeah, it, it's gotten yeah so much worse in the last ten years. Even yeah, it, people who just had their their children taken from them and then they're not even allowed inside the courtroom. You stay on the hall while the big people go back in the back room with the judge, and then we'll we'll come out and we'll tell you what's going to happen to the rest of your life. Yeah, and your kids' life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, part of it, you know, like I said, I listened to NLA uh, too, and you know, he talks about it that the people are ignorant. You know, they're ignorant to their rights, and they, and so yeah, they see so much of people not knowing anything. But my my point in this is, like I said, that we there has to be judicial reform because the average common person you know, cannot rise to this level. I mean, it's just impossible, you know. It's the bar is set so high. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with these courts that are government institutions, okay? They've also, they've also, they've also mixed, um, you know, they deal with corporations, and it's like they deal with people in the same way. And that needs to change too. I mean, well, because that's they see you as a they see you as a person, as a legal fiction. That's the whole point. Well, you don't belong there. You and don't belong thing. in that court. <laughs> everything needs now. to be. You know, and I, I I agree that everything needs to be done by contract, and the law is established by the contract. Okay, now that's from both sides. They're assuming that there's a contract between you and them and you're legally responsible for whatever they say, even if you have no say, okay? Because they're assuming that, okay? But you've got to, you know, uh, you, you have authority uh, within yourself to, to choose who you're going to contract with and who you're not. If you choose not to contract with the government, uh, there are arbitrators out there. You can, you know, you, you can set it in your contract that, you know, discuss anything in a public courtroom, then it will be done through private arbitration. 
You know, you know if it's if it's as simple as if it's as simple as I show up in court, and the judge asks, he says, "Okay, I'm going to call the names. Let me know if you're here." And if you say, "I'm here, Your Honor," then you're consenting. Something is is very wrong with that, you know. And if that's the case, <laughs> then every person. No, no, I want to get to something here. They are remiss. Sure in not disclosing in not disclosing to each and every person that's in that courtroom those facts that here's what's going right, to happen they don't here's your right here's what's going to happen no but they have that they should have that obligation if they're going to you, if you're going to walk in there but that's up to you to explain that it's up for, it's up to the individual no, I, to I don't, be I don't agree to that. that I don't agree to that I don't agree <laughs> to the burden being on the people the burden needs not. to be on it's them. It's not, is what I'm saying. It's not, it is on them, but you have to ask questions and not argue. I you think that they should, if, if, that's the way, if that's the way they're going to play it, then when you walk in that courtroom or that courthouse, you should be handed a paper that discloses to you all these aspects of what your choices are. No, you're not, gonna, not, you're not, not just, going to get that because it's designed. The system is designed to create wealth for the system to help it grow. Then you know life. what it is. You know what it is. It's a unilateral system, and that's that's it illegitimate. It yes. is. It is illegitimate. But that's the point. Most people are trained to, you know, to believe what they've been told their whole life that they need to, you know have the government in every relationship that they have. And that is not the truth. It is not the case. It, 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 you can choose who you're going to do business with and who you're not going to do business with. And again, you know, uh, if there's a contract, then please bring the contract out and, and we'll discuss the terms of the contract and it, it, whether or not there was consent to begin with. Okay. But uh, Kathleen, if you, you know, when you go in, when you've been in court, Okay, and uh, you know, you know, let's say over the last ten years, well, you know, this is nothing more than an extortion scam most times. Oh yeah, I was going to say always too, about the money. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Uh, it, Linda, is that your name? Linda, uh, Linda in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Linda, in Vir- Linda in Virginia. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to also say that that uh, you have to, uh, because words are powerful things, it helps in your thinking if you don't refer to them as judges or courts when they're really not. Instead of judges, what they are is they're de facto court employees or they're corporate employees. They are Mm -hmm. private. Court officers. Yeah, yeah, just like Walmart. Are we going to reform the the CEO at Walmart and expect life is going to get better for us? Probably not. You know, do we care who gets voted in on the board of trustees of Walmart? No. So why why would we? Yeah, but even Walmart even Walmart has a burden to treat the people with respect and dignity. That's not happening in the courts. It's not happening at Walmart. It's you not happening in the news all the time. You see it in the news all the time that they're taken advantage of and that uh, Walmart employees have a very high uh, number of them that are on welfare. Oh, well, I'm not, I, wasn't talking about, I wasn't talking about the employees. I was really talking about the customers. But, yes, I know I, 
<laughs> but um, you said extortion. It's um, I, I don't even give them that uh, much credit. I say it's a money laundering operation. That's what it is. It is. It is you know? a RICO and, and the reason I say sure. that, the reason I say that is is this is because you any any issue you have, you go to the trial courts and they're just passed through. You know, no matter how right you are, how what you present, how how eloquently you present it, whatever, you know, you're just, it's just, you're just, um, you know, they're going to find down, a loophole found, that you fall yeah. right through. And, and so then yeah. you end up, you end up, your only choice is to go to federal court and you go to federal court, you have to pay $400 just for a filing fee, yeah. you know, and this too. Is, I'm sorry. Is that? It's a corporate court too. Yes, it sure is. So just to defend my just to defend my rights or my property or my, you know, I, I've had to spend, you know, unlim- like huge amounts of money, you know, and this is why and, and I feel like that they know they know this and that they are intentionally. Um, wrongfully charging people or charging them for innocent crimes or whatever, because they They're know charging it's the legal just person. This, though. they know it's the just this person. money money mill type thing, you know. And sure, it's but most people think that they are the legal person. The majority of people out there think that the license is them. <laughs> they they believe that they are the juristic person, that they are the legal fiction. You know, well, so it's very easy to join people to the court in that jurisdiction when you when you've been inundated your entire life with thinking that you are a U.S. citizen. Okay. Well, that's if when you said you, that. You know? When you said that in your program, that it isn't the first time I've heard it, but it's the first time I've heard it in a in a like an understandable way, I guess, and. Um, I'm still processing that, you know, because I'm like, well, okay, how does that really apply? Because and is it successful, you know? Because really, can you can you just see me? I live twenty twenty minutes out of Washington D.C. Can you really see me driving around in my car with no license plates, and you know, no, you and, and it says you don't have to, uh, to still have rights and. and uh-huh. I may, you're sovereign. You understand that, you know, the Constitution gave you some, some rights as a sovereign because... I understand the, the people are sovereign. The people. You're one of the people. You're one right. of the people. So uh, there's a case, and I think I just sent that to you, um, David, um, the, the Apache Indian case, where the tribe entered into a contract with a corporation... For the extraction of minerals from their land, so that was, they had various contract rights. Now, the tribe was also a sovereign, as we all know, Indian nations are sovereigns, just like we are. So, so as a sovereign, they decided, on top of whatever we're getting as as participants in this contract, we also are imposing an extraction tax as the sovereigns that we are, and we have the right, the inherent right, to control what happens to our land. Well, it went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court uh, agreed with the with the tribe. Um, that, let me yeah, stop you. They, who was who they, was imposing 
who was imposing the tax? The Indians? The tribe. The Indian yeah. tribe. The tribe. The tribe. Yeah. Okay. The Indian tribe was wearing two hats. The Indian tribe was wearing its hat as a contracting party with the corporation that was extracting their minerals. But it also had its sovereign hat on, and it can wear both interchangeably as it chooses. And that's what the U.S. Supreme Court even admitted to, I think, in the 1980s was that decision. Okay. And, so that and why, was, why was that an issue? Why was that an issue? They said, well, wait a minute. We contracted with you that you're only going to pay us, that, that we only, uh, you know, this is the deal in our contract. You can't go as, as a sovereign, put on your sovereign hat, and then tell us we've got more obligations to you, too, when we already settled everything up with you in the contract. No, 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 no. Yes, we can. <laughs> right, yes, we because can. you can change the rules. As a sovereign, you can change the rules. Um, That's right. Or make up the rules uh, outside of a contract. Okay. But when you're wearing um, your, your contracting party hat, you can't. But when you're wearing your right. sovereign hat, you can. Well, you which would is, need a new contract. Which is Clearfield Trust Doctrine. <laughs> which, is, which is Clearfield Trust Doctrine. Uh, you've yeah, got, that, that you know, the, the government, you know, ends up uh, nothing more than a corporation when they're dealing in Federal Reserve notes or commerce. If they're acting in commerce... They're acting as a corporation. They're not acting as a governing body. And when you go into right. the administrative court, that's exactly what you're going into. You're going into the commercial uh, administering body. You're not going into a court. They're not a judge, like Catherine said. They're a hearing officer for an administrative issue before the bench. That's it. Before the, before the tribunal. You're not a judge. Okay. So they're acting administerially for a corporation, not judicially as a governing body, okay? Because they're dealing in charges. Just that fact that they're dealing in charges, uh, that, that there's some sort of a fee for services rendered, that is commercial. It's yeah. a commercial uh, enterprise at, at that point. So you're getting... Uh, you know, you're going into a place that you don't need to be, okay? The public, they're administering the public trust, which is why you have to really uh, show that you're not a party to that, okay? That the juristic person is your birth certificate. That's who the legal person is. It's not you. And unfortunately, it, you know, it was ingrained in us our whole lives because this system isn't just 200 years old. Okay, this goes back to, you know, the, 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 the Code of Hammurabi, okay, in Babylon, and then to Rome, and then to England, then to here, okay? So this was all a system that's been around a very, very long time. Uh, basically, uh, they were citizen slaves, because you, you, you weren't a sovereign entity, okay? Uh, everybody dealt in commerce. It was easier than having a plantation with forced slaves. The slaves here get to, you know, have some feeling of, of being free, but not really. Okay? You don't have, uh, if you don't own yourself, what do you really, you know, what, 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 as far as property goes, what could you possibly own? Okay? So if, 
If they're claiming that there's authority over you, they're claiming they own you. Because that's the only way to get authority other than a contract. There's either slavery or, or we had a, a coming together of the minds and we signed a, a, a contract. That's the only way you're getting authority. So when they're dealing as a, uh, in, in charges and, and, and fictions, these are all contractual based on the United States corporation, not the United States government, because there is no such thing. It hasn't been for a very long time. Uh, I guess that's why they're, they're wanting, to change the word. They want to change the word to governance now because they kind of want to veer away from that so they won't be accused of being as fraudulent as they are. I wanted What's to mention the word? that okay. fraudulent. No, you said no, no, want to change the word to what? Oh, governance. Yeah, world governance. Yeah, <laughs> it's not government, it's governance. For some reason, that seems to be the word to describe what they're doing so it doesn't quite sound like they're usurping legitimate governments, even though, of course, they are. Yeah, and, and that gets back to what word. I said. That gets back to what I said about unilateral. The government is not is not um, allowed to operate unilaterally, you know, and that's what they're doing. They're acting as if they are the sovereign, and they are over everything they've created, and everything that they've created is in commerce. Everything that well, they've created is in commerce. When she right. when she yeah. said that, it leads me to believe that they're trying to get. They're trying to get away from the requirements, you know, and 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 uh-huh. be be like detached from them and not have to not have to meet those requirements. That's another well, aspect of it. You walk in court. What do they see? They well, they're having a business meeting. You're the chattel, and and various members of the chattel are having a dispute with one another, or maybe it's. Um, you know, and those disputes might be resolved fairly equitably, for lack of a better word. Or, but if it's between one of the chattel and a corporation, you know, you, the chattel isn't going to win. The chattel, right. you know, right. doesn't really even belong there in their world. It, it's it, it, it's just not, something to be bought and sold. Yeah, it's. Yeah, the, it's well the trust race. I mean, that's all we are, the trust res. I wonder if many of you are in the trust res and we're just a thing, which is what they are assuming when they, can, when they assume jurisdiction over you, okay? Mm-hmm. That right there should tell you that that's not you. It's a thing. Right? You're not, you know, a, 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 a thing, okay, is... is uh, <laughs> is not a, a man or a woman, okay? A, a thing could be anything, you know, and they're looking at you as a thing and not as a man or a woman, okay? So knowing that that's what they're looking at, then that means it's something you're in possession of, okay? A thing that you're in possession of is the, is the subject matter of you being there, Okay? So when they, they when they're looking at you from from the pedestal there, they're looking as if you're holding. Uh oh. Well, yeah. I, I don't know sure what happened, but 
I, I think he has uh, lo- areas of low reception. Um, David? You're joining me to that position. Oh, you went out. You went out for like a minute. Yeah. Sorry. We lost. We lost <laughs> but, you for uh, like a minute. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's been a rough connection here the last few days. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the wilderness. <laughs> mm. But uh, when you know, when when they look at you uh, as a thing, they're not looking at you as a thing. They're looking as you are holding the thing in trust, which is why they're trying to get you to join to being the trustee of that thing, your legal person, in order to <laughs> excise money out of your. But okay. you know, I just, I just have to. I, I shouldn't even offer this, you know. But um, so I go, I go uh, any day of the week. I can go up to the courtroom, and it's filled with people. And uh, I would say ten percent ha- either have a lawyer or who who know or have the knowledge that they can actually come out of it successfully or something, battle it. But the another ninety percent in there is they don't understand they're they're clueless they're 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 not even capable of understanding you know they're they some of them don't even they just barely speak english to get by you know what whatever whatever the situation is so you know it's a set it's a set but here's my point it's it's a sad day when i have to look at that and say you know, those not, every one of those ninety percent have to have to have have to have everything they own in a trust in order to be safe from these people. You know, it's it's really ridiculous. Well, you would think that, I, I just, that it's such an important thing that they would teach that from the moment that you're born, right? If it's that important of a thing, and it is that important of a thing, it should be taught. Well, it didn't, from, it, but it didn't used <laughs> to be. It didn't used to be like this you know it wasn't like this there's been a i gotta ask Catherine because she's been doing it for 40 years in, in their courts has it been like this no, the whole time and you're just finally noticing no. it or no <laughs> it wasn't always like this um we didn't need to, we like didn't this. No, it's not been. I, I mean, it's not been as as in your face as it is now. But it was still, you know, well, of course, I, you know, I had a slanted point of view because we were just basically about the only way it seemed that I was ever able to prevail was to to annoy them to death, to paper them to death. till after a while, the other side would stop, would get sick of paying their attorney. Because I would, I would oftentimes wait and and you know get and, and I charged a lot less and I would because I wanted people to see you know that they could maybe prevail maybe get I, I always told people you're not going to get justice but you might get something you can live with and that's what we'll work for and um, but but you're not going to get justice you can get you can wear the other side out though, so they no longer think it's worthwhile yeah and and, and that's that what it's become I, is a draining is a draining uh and five or so i couldn't even do that not really um, hello yeah hello can i make a hello? comment please hi sure. 
Hi, Catherine. It's Hello. Candy. Funny people you uh, run into in different places. Oh, hi, Candy. <laughs> hi. Hey, um, I just wanted to make a comment when you were just talking about it's a shame you have to put everything into trust. Even trusts right. aren't safe. I just uh, I just went through um, <laughs> fraud inside, outside, upon the court. Uh, my father had everything in trust. Everything was, uh, I, I mean, I have legal instruments with, there's no question as to who it belonged to. But because of one forged document, and, and it was proven to be forged, they still, they managed to steal um, trust accounts. They liquidated them before there was even any court action. These, was these, that somebody court, had the power of attorney? I'm sorry, sir? Was that an attorney or somebody who had power of attorney? Um, I was actually the power of attorney, but my father's wife claimed power of attorney. There's all kinds of forged documents, and, and, but it was my father's financial advisor, and I, and I can prove all this. I have all the evidence. Um, and the bank, people at the bank that were actually involved in the conversion, um, all, the, all the accounts were liquidated. Um, quickly after my father passed away, and I retained, oh, by bad advice, I'm in Florida. The bank happens to be in, in Cincinnati, and I was told by a Florida attorney that I needed an Ohio attorney to get a subpoena to get access to the, the bank. They told me that I was not the uh, client that the wife was. Um, right then I knew something was very wrong. Um, because, like I said, well, my father was 68 years old. I'm sorry, 67 years old when he married this woman. And um, as a matter of fact, he even uh, later on, because of an incident that happened with her daughter, where she was uh, found guilty of embezzling money, um, my father made a First Amendment to the trust that really secured everything. Um, so, oh, yeah, so even in... Thought. <laughs> well, now, I, I mean, a statutory it, trust, you know? It was an irrevocable um, express trust. And here's another thing. Okay. They wouldn't allow, they didn't even use my father's instruments. They filed an interpleader to escape liability because I had, I, I had finally woken up to the fact that my, the attorney that was only supposed to get a subpoena to get access to the bank, because of a forged different uh, a forged document, he opened a probate case, and I told him no probate. My father told me no probate. He said right. that was well. That's the how you got your intervener, yeah. Well, so they got me in there, but but then I soon um, woke up to what was going on. They they ordered me to mediation. In the mediation, she acted like she had the standing where they tried to offer me, bribe me with $100,000 to go away. And I wasn't having it. Um, the attorney, um, before I fired him, he withdrew. So, uh, can I, you know. Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? Isn't a, a wife generally entitled to, uh, at least the, by state, you know, I don't know. I'm saying the wrong things probably. Unless it's explicitly <laughs> written. Right. Yeah, it's it says no. It, it is his will is what would have been expressed. I know. There's also, a 
I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak over you. Um, I just wanted oh, to say there was also a prenuptial agreement, and she oh, agreed okay. that everything I would see. be governed by the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know, and even and and there could be nothing uh, promised, nothing expressed. Anything had to be uh, any modifications had to be um, by instrument and with witnesses. There there was nothing. They didn't even have any any documents, any supporting documents for this forged um, this forged uh, beneficiary form. Sure, See, this but when, is you, what I'm when talking you have about, a liar, go ahead, go ahead. This is what I'm talking about. It seems like no matter what you do, it is just outright theft. It's outright thievery, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's just... It, it is, but there was a consent given by somebody to put it into that probate court. Um, and, and even if that was done fraudulently, okay, the, the court assumed jurisdiction and railroaded the whole thing right through. Yeah, no, but here's what happened, because when I saw what was going on, I dismissed that case, and I was bringing it to Florida. Well, before, they were working, before I even did that, my attorney was working with the the bank's attorneys, and they were already setting up an interpleader. He set me up for an interpleader. The bank. And, And get this. They, they, I'm telling you, this is, this is, uh, it's unbelievable. The, like I said, they liquidated all the accounts from the, the beginning. See, that's why they had to cover it up. Sure. So. We have suit against the bank for sure. I'm sorry, please repeat that. You can bring suit against the bank. Oh, I'm, I absolutely am. They the fiduciary responsibility when they set up the accounts with your father. Right, and here's the thing. The accounts, the trust uh, instrument itself says that my father's accounts cannot be judicially settled. They didn't even care unless I bring a lawsuit. They didn't care. I, I wrote them because I knew better than to go into that court or to be a part of it. I sent them an email stating that I, I do not have a contract. I do not consent. And I told them, I said, now you can take that to the judge. I, I said, you can, put, you can put that on record. But I didn't do it myself. But he did. He put it on record. And when they went into the court, or when, when the, the, the court, the only thing that I did, I, I did motion for time before anything started. And that was only because I didn't know. But when I got, when I, uh, got served this uh, waiver of, uh, of summons, my husband was actually, I wasn't even in Florida. I was back in Massachusetts. My husband was away doing his military obligation, and I signed it under duress. I didn't know what to do, but they told me that I was going to have to be paying for them to, to personally serve me if I didn't sign the waiver of summons. So I did. <laughs> knowing that, I wouldn't have done that now, knowing, but so I did, and then I motioned for, for time. But <laughs> this. I mean, I have all the evidence I couldn't find. I must have contacted at least a dozen attorneys, and I have all the evidence, and nobody would take it. Of course, nobody all would officers take it. of the court. They're exactly. Yep, yep. You're not so, going to expose the fraud in, <laughs> without being disbarred. Exactly, and you know I had someone tell me that. I had someone tell me that. Um, here's the thing. 
So the only thing that I did, and I was very careful not to write anything, like motion, plea, nothing. All I did on paper was I went in telling them that I was a living biological woman and that I did not give consent, and I challenged jurisdiction. Well, that's all. And that's and all I did. You could have said that I am the trustee of that estate that expressed trust, and nobody has a right to adjudicate this, including, you know, and, and, and you know, evidence is right here in the trust document itself. Okay, you're the administrator well, they, of that trust as a trustee. They brought me into that. <clears throat> excuse me. They brought me into this into this interpleader as the successor trustee. And and my from what I gather from what I've I've learned that the only factor in an interpleader is the intent of the decedent and and the the, the instruments are everything the, I mean they tell everything you know what this was just this was a bad judge or whatever you well, want to call it had something to gain because what happens is and it's the same thing uh, I had a client in New York who who. Uh, he he was the executor of his of his sister's will, you know she didn't have a will, but the executor of her estate, and they you know went into probate, and there is a, uh, you know the the, the state trustee, uh, the county trustee there, who ends up standing in for, uh, even for the executor, but he works for the county and he's going to you know act as if he owns or is in control of whatever property is in question, okay? And as, as a government employee, you know, his, his obligation lies to the county and, and their coffers. So, yep. of course, he was going to create a new deed and, and, and take the property by, by stealth, and, you know, because he didn't know until, oh, boy, well, he didn't know what he was doing, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't uh, call them on the fraud until six months later. You know, and now you're backpedaling, trying to, you know, get some control back, some authority back, and it's very, very hard. And now you're dealing with two different states uh, and an interpleader, you know, uh, that the bank established. How did the bank establish that? Because they had financial uh, a fiduciary responsibility. That money was in a trust account, and the bank was the trustee. Exactly. So well, my attorney, my attorney, without me knowing, he released the bank in the probate case. He said he did it with my consent. That that's ridiculous to, to even that that doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. In fact, I have an email that I wrote to him eleven days later when he started talking about, oh well, you know, your problem is with the wife, not with the bank. Uh, no. I know that she could not have accomplished this without the bank. And I even wrote in caps on this email, do not let anyone off the hook. But he already had. Right. And this is why you don't hand, you know, I mean, my, this happened to my grandmother. When my grandfather died, she trusted a lawyer who took over the estate. He had an express trust and had properties all over. And, and uh, I mean, he liquidated everything, including the house under her feet. This oh, I'm sorry. You do not, do not, do not trust an attorney, Catherine. I love you to death, but they're not like you. I agree with you. You know, we've got, and as a matter of fact, there is actually. Um, I don't know if you're aware or not. Catherine is aware 
But um, the United States Corporation now has a loss prevention. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Chris Hallett, CEO of E-Clause, but he is going after the number. He's going after what? You broke up there. He's going after the bar. Oh, good. Someone should. Someone should. Sir, may I ask? Can I ask a question? I don't want to take up this call. You know, I want to be able to like listen because I I listen. I learn more when I listen rather than when I talk. Can um. Well, first let me ask you who the I don't even know who you are. I just went into one of these groups that I'm in, and somehow, I don't know how this always happens, but I happened to see this, this call, and I thought, what the heck? You're not the gentleman, the attorney that, that created um, that online course, are you? No, I am not an attorney, nor have I ever been one. <laughs> I've, I've been studying law for 30 years, um, and I'm not going to fight back with Dave Horowitz, the, the consumer advocate. Um, my, my, my name is like John Smith. <laughs> so oh. there's a lot of David Horowitz's out there. Um, I've been studying law for the, well, the end of this month will be about 30 years. Um, wow. will be 30 years. Um, I started studying law when my brother was set up by corrupt, uh, politicians, judges, and cops. And, uh, I haven't stopped, and I was doing commercial remedy 30 years ago, uh, A for V, and a lot of the stuff you hear on all these patriot groups and all this, you know, uh, different remedies coming from every uh, angle, and uh, I I could say that I've studied most of them, Uh, not all of them, because I can absolutely uh, still learn and try to at every, you know, uh, every day, but... um, I was a private investigator for eight years. Uh, I have set up cases. I've investigated cases uh, of all kinds, uh, including a murder case, um, which wasn't actually a murder. It was. Uh, <laughs> it ended up being uh, uh, negligence, but not murder. But uh, no, I've, I've been studying the law for a very long time. Uh, I have a lot of experience in court for my, uh, uh, you know, myself and a lot of other people. Um, when I was living in Florida, I went to school down at USF, and uh, I, the road that I lived on was uh, had a lot of Mexican families living there, and they always had some issue with, you know, some landlord or, uh, you know, so I would go in and help. But uh, these these different. Um, jurisdictions and things that we get into and trusts. I've been studying these things for a very, very long time. Um, and you say as an express trust, you know, the reason, and from what you're saying, it seems to me, you know, there were some breaks in that trust that allowed it to go into the public. Um, no, and it's sir. unfortunate. It, it was a bunch of corrupt attorneys. This is how corrupt it is. Her attorney is actually a, a Hamilton County prosecutor who is moonlighting as, an, as a defense attorney. Okay. Um, the, bank, the bank's attorney, who I don't even think it was the bank, that, and he wouldn't tell me who retained him. 
I believe it was actually the financial advisor that retained him. Now, he was the bank's attorney in the, in the probate case. Now, the interpleader, he's the one that brought the interpleader. In the interpleader, he was additional counsel for the wife. Huh. And that was by court order? No, no, no. He just came in as additional counsel for the wife. I'm telling you, it's oh, all that's what I'm saying is there was fraud involved at some point. There was fraud more more so than just a document being forged. There were fraudulent oh, yeah, acts on multiple parties. Oh yeah, it was. And listen to this. Okay, so the only thing that I did because, like I said, I knew not to go in there. My dad told me he knew the racket. That's why he did all this. And he told me there would be no probate. And I had a fit, but okay, so that was over with. I got out of that okay. Well, so what they did was her attorney uh, motioned for summary judgment. And when he did that, when he did that, I had my attorney. Now, I can prove this. He had all the evidence from the very beginning. My attorney had collected evidence um, during, uh, what do you call it, during um, uh, discovery that he never told me about, and it was in a drop box. And when he left, he got sloppy, and he left some behind. I found the legitimate beneficiary, because uh, uh, my dad had changed. See, when my dad married this woman, don't ask me why, but he gave her half of an IRA. But then after this happened with the daughter, then he went in and he changed things up a bit. And he took that IRA and he changed it. He put it in his whole name with the contingent beneficiary being the estate. Okay. Are you with me? So see, they didn't know I had all that. Well, when they motioned for summary judgment, I sent all this evidence that I had, except for one thing, that they don't know that I know that they liquidated all the accounts. They tried to tell me that they weren't there, but I have the proof they were. I have the CUSIP numbers. I have everything for four trust accounts. So what I did was all I found, I took the, the legit forms. I had a, a few pieces of evidence, and I put it in an email, and I sent it to all of the parties involved. And there's a bunch of them, a bunch of attorneys, a bunch of people from the bank. I sent it to and the wife, and I put on there a, a warning. Either you turn this into the judge, or you all are going to be in uh, – Guilty of misprision of felony. Uh, and nobody did anything. They all ignored it. The very next day, the judge granted uh, war, uh, granted summary judgment to her. Could I bring up a possible point? Um, with, uh, with the seizing of the accounts or liquidation of them, is it possible that being your only, even if it's a trust, if you are only an agent signing for that account and it's not your account, um, that then that's putting you into commerce, accepting that benefit of the Federal Reserve notes and the credit or the you know debt system. Um, then they have that control to do that, unless everything was basically possibly uh, redeemed in lawful money would make a difference. 
You know what? I don't think it would make a difference. I, I never, they never, when I contacted the bank, because she had actually stolen all of the, all of the, the, the instruments. My dad told me where everything would be in his desk. First of all, it started with, this is, this is insane. My dad had a heart attack on the 15th of May, 2016. The hospital, my dad called 911. They came and got him. By the time they got here, they had to put him on life support. They took him to the hospital. He got into the hospital at 7.37 p.m., and the hospital tried to contact the wife who was in Ohio. She was never in Florida. Tried to contact the wife in Ohio. She didn't call back to call the hospital until the following day. Okay, I'm thinking she, had, she took the time. They already had this figured out between her and the financial advisor. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that. I don't know that for a fact, but that's the only thing that I don't know for a fact. Okay, so then she called me in Massachusetts and told me that my dad was in the hospital, and when I asked his status, she said she didn't know, but it didn't sound good. I told her I'd get down here as soon as I could. Well, after I got down here, I, I, beat, the, I beat her here by an hour and a half, <clears throat> and she, she had given the hospital a do-not-resuscitate order over the phone. I was my dad's durable power of attorney and his health care surrogate. She signed durable power. Well, first of all, she never took my dad's last name. So the, the, uh, the DNR, the doctor wrote her name. And after she got down here, you have to initial all these different, um, uh, you know, they, they give you all, you know, what kind of care you want. You have to initial each one you know, whether you accept, you, you want it or you don't want it. Well, she used my dad's initial through like the first few and then on the very last one she messed up and she used her, her initials. And then she signed it using my dad's name, which she never took my dad's last name. She signed on, on a line that said conservatorship. Well, you can't just get conservatorship without petitioning a court for that. And then she wrote power of attorney underneath it and wife next to it. I was my dad's power of attorney, so it was fraud from the hospital. I mean, right in the very right. beginning, it started in Florida. Well, this is all the things that you're dealing with are fraudulent actions of other individuals. So, all right, so the liquidation of the accounts, did, she, did the ex-wife or did the wife get that money? She did, I guess. Okay. I mean, yeah, they, they well, opened it, I mean, there's got to be a, a record of where it went. Yeah, they, they opened two accounts for her, but there's, there's two other accounts that they say didn't exist, but I have proof that they did. Her first attorney, she had a former attorney, and he had sent um, some of the, the instruments back to me, but they all came back with uh, staple holes, multiple staple holes where it had been taken apart. And, and, and plus, it was defaced. On the uh, assets uh, page, she had, uh, or somebody, somebody circled the accounts and put her name by them and dated it on the same date as the, uh, the forged document. So there's, a, there's and, and the forged document, it makes no sense because it says that uh, the contingent beneficiary is to her estate. 
Now, why would my dad, if she was to die first, why would my dad give that money to her estate and not himself? That makes no sense, but I do also have, I have the minutes from the bank. See, my, my attorney wasn't very bright. None of them are bright. They're all really rather stupid, to be real honest. He left all these documents in this Dropbox. And in these minutes, one of the bank, the financial advisors, states that, that the, the, the uh, contingent beneficiary wasn't to the trust, it was to the estate. And then in another minute, uh, minutes, one of the other uh, <coughs> the other financial advisors actually says that the account that in question that they took to court was not a TOD. It was an IRA. Well, they're claiming that it was a TOD, a transfer on death, and it was not. So I have all the evidence. I have everything. I just don't, I haven't taken any action because I want to make sure that I do everything right. (laughs) Can I intervene? Well, that's a good thing. Yes. Hi, this is Mary Louise. Hi, Mary Louise. Hi, Mary. Um, These are my girls. How do we all get connected on the same call? <laughs> we all know what <laughs> um, In Ohio, because I'm public uh, uh, Sunshine Law certified, you can uh, make a public records request under Krings versus Cincinnati Inquire of a private entity that has contracted with the alleged government. So um, I always use that to the private businesses and say, hey, congratulations, you're now privy to the public records law. Um, so that's uh, something you could use, and if you were to ever uh, return to the faux jurisdiction of an actual government courthouse, uh, private companies are also liable under Section 1983 when they are contracted with government. Now, they'll try to say, oh, it's AC privilege. I would be calling out every single card there, including but not limited, even though I'm not a big fan of executive orders, uh, 13256, Section 17, that establishes no documentation uh, shall be considered classified in an attempt to conceal violations of law, inefficiency, administrative error, crime. So that's always kind of handy. And then the second thing Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't use is uh, United States Code 1621, the neglect to protect by persons who are under oath, but a lot of them don't have oaths, so be aware of that. And USC Code 1986, I think, with the duty to prevent a wrong from being done. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Oh, Mary Louise, I'm getting back with you, sweetheart. I will be getting back with you. Well, you know what? Let me bring this up then. This is the time to bring this up. And David, may I call you David? Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Um, David, are you familiar with the remonstrance process? No. Okay. Now, this is what I'm learning from um, uh, the fellow that I, who I told you was the CEO now of loss prevention for the United States Corporation. This is what he okay. is teaching, is the actual due process of law is through a petition of remonstrance because we don't belong in these courts and we need to take, we need to address our grievances through our legislators. So, and the reason I'm bringing that up now is that's what the way that I was looking at going, but anybody that knows me knows I don't do anything without, I have to know everything and then some about what I'm doing before I, I, before I take any action. 
And now what I'm finding is okay, well now what I'm finding is as Mary Louise just said, some of these um actors, these legislators, which you know may, most of them are bar members anyway, but they haven't take they have no oath. And if they did take an oath, which constitution was it to? It wasn't well, to the, the one that was wasn't funny. the original. Well, there are two problems. If you're in federal court, you have to take an actual uh, constitutional oath, and then later there's a more formalized process called the investiture, and that's the judicial oath. Um, Everyone knows I'm in federal court, and what's interesting is they assigned this judge, and she kept threatening me every time I asked for her oath of office. I'm getting sick and tired of bar members telling me, stop asking for the oath of office. You'll just tick off the judge. You know what? I should be more ticked off because they're mad about uh, presenting it, and I wouldn't go to a surgeon without knowing he was credentialed, he or she. Yeah. So, I'm allowed to ask for the oath, and I've gotten threats of contempt. I had the U.S. Marshals call me five times within 90 minutes last week. Call me five times, send one email, send a a voicemail and a text message stating that Judge Barker, uh, who has just newly sworn in uh, her actual constitutional to refuse to supply this oath to date, um, she sent the marshals after me for filing what? a motion to disqualify opposing counsel because I wasn't allowed to contact the courts anymore. I've seen the paperwork. It's unbelievable. And then, you know, after she did that on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, she was, her investiture ceremony was uh, the day or two following. And I said, wait a second here. And I've looked up all sorts of things out there. And I said, does that seal the deal? Because they said it's a two-part process. But I've seen things where they can act in some type of administrative, well, they're always in an administrative capacity, but, you know, they can do filing and stuff. But now I'm questioning ex post facto, you know, uh, looking back is everything here, is if she had any zero authority. Number one, she didn't because of all of the unconstitutional acts, but also because she refused to supply an oath to let me know. And that's why I put in all of these footnotes, hey, yo, if I am not in a constitutional common law court, you need to tell me because under contract law, both parties have to know the terms. And I have that right. every single one of the last 10 pleadings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that when, you, when, you're dealing, when you're dealing with all these administrators, when you're dealing with all these administrators, you're dealing with fictions and you're putting yourself into the law of fictions so when you i mean and in your situation with with uh, the trust uh bar members got involved fictions got involved uh fraudulently started by what sounds like uh his wife and you know fraud is fraud from the beginning so it's got to be traced back if you're going to make a case and bring a case uh, you know, bring a claim, you know, it's going to have to be a tort, obviously. And, you know, uh, and if you got all the names and, and all these players and all the evidence, you should easily be able to bring some sort of a RICO case, uh, a conspiracy against rights, and, and, and not your rights, the rights of the trust, which was right. broken by, you know, you're not, it's not you. Right. That so trust is, is a sui juris individual. I'm sorry, please repeat that. 
the express trust acts in court as a sui juris individual in you know a a uh, uh, in its own right. So in other words, uh, if if uh, his wife committed fraud, which sounds like she did, and you have evidence, uh, all of that evidence and all of the documentation should be able to get tracked back to that fraud, right back to the protection of the trust. Okay? She assumed, uh, fraudulently assumed, uh, trusteeship and and started the ball rolling into, you know, into a uh, uh, probate situation, which never should have been to begin with. All of this she's should have been able to have been adjudicated outside of court. We she's never an executive common law trust or statutory, did we? I'm, I'm sorry? sorry. We never established whether this was a, a common law trust or a statutory trust. Probably statutory, I imagine. No, no she did. She said it was an express common law trust. No. Right? No, express. It was an expressed, and, and perhaps I've been told wrong. The reason I say it is expressed is because it starts with the will, and then it, and then it like goes over into the trust. Is that not correct? And it says everything. It says how it's supposed to be. She actually, my father had an account that I was supposed to use to administer the estate, take care of his funeral, um, to pay taxes to do everything with, and then what right, was but left we're trying to figure out the administrative part of the trust. So if, it's a, if, it, if the site is in the trust itself, the, the, the law of the trust would have been mentioned. So whether that was statutory or common law would have it's been spelled out in the trust documents. No, yeah, it's in the trust. It, it is statutory because it, it, it says that it can only be governed in the state of of Florida, and it even it, it brings out the statutes that it refers to. Okay. Okay. So it is a statutory, uh, a statutory trust. So again, uh, anything statutory is going to be considered fiction. Anything statutory right. is going to be considered fiction and, and administered in the administration of the of the public trust, which is how a lot of that probably happened. Um, even though you were the exec, I mean, there, there, you do have some, you know, uh, some remedy in that, you know, she, fraud, you know, she became the executor de Santorda, you know, under fraud. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And 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 yep. she wasn't a legitimate executor, as the as the executor of the will and the trustee of the trust, which would have been you. You should have had. Yep full administrative control over what was going on, and she assumed that fraudulently. So that's where you got to go back to where that fraud was originated. And that's how I know the bank was involved, because I, when, I, when I contacted the bank, they told me they couldn't talk to me, that she was the client. I was not. <laughs> Did you and send they, them they your, uh, indenture, your, your, your trust indenture? Um, I don't. My dad also had a letter of, he, he referred to it as my letter of instruction, and she okay. took everything, nothing. Right, like, but if, if you were the, the trustee, there would have been a trust indenture, uh, you know, uh, an offer from the trust for you to become a trustee that you would have signed. 
and it would have had, you know, your responsibilities as trustee on that document. They took it apart. That's what I'm saying. She took the do- I didn't. That that's not in there. She had taken it and she sent it back to me, defaced. It was written on, and and the the staples were removed. So it was taken apart. So if that was in the trust, I never saw it. Okay. And then secondly, if she was claiming to be executor and a trustee of the estate, she has a fiduciary responsibility to the estate. And, you know, as a, were you a beneficiary as well of the trust? I'm the primary beneficiary, plus my father has grandchildren. They're all beneficiaries as well. But instead, they okay. made her, her daughter or her children and grandchildren beneficiaries. Okay. So as a beneficiary, you have a lawful and legal interest in, in how it was managed. Uh, and if, it was, if it's found that she acted wrongly or fraudulently, now she's got you know, to make up for all that she took. You know, but basically, you'd be bringing her up on fraud against the trust. You know, right. or, or fraudulently, uh, you know, fraudulent misrepresentation of the trust as a trustee or an administrator, which she wasn't. That's based exactly. on fraud, which is fraudulently. There was a there was a First Amendment that my father created, like I told you, after the daughter. <laughs> check this out: her daughter is married to a cop, the one that got found guilty of embezzlement. Um. <laughs> Anyway, after that happened, my father created a First Amendment um, to the trust, and all it gave her was six months to live here at the homestead. It gave her the primary uh, vehicle, discharged from trust. I've never discharged anything. And it actually says that she is not to pay estate or uh, inheritance taxes. That's because she she didn't inherit anything, and she has no part of the estate. Right. What Those the dad did do? I'm sorry. Those were actually gifts. Right. Yes. From well, and the I talked. I talked to my father two months before he passed away, and he told me that he left her $150,000 to live on, and that they were almost divorced over the amount of money that he left her. So, you know, this woman was all about the money from the very beginning. I knew it, but you know what? It was my dad. I mean, I wanted my, I wanted my dad to be married. I didn't want him to die an old man by himself. You know what I'm saying? But when I figured out the, the, who this woman was, you know, and I, didn't, I never really said anything, you know, I just let it go because, you know, it, it was his life. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, I think, I think that you're... <laughs> Excuse me. You, the, the, the bank is trustee and had a fiduciary responsibility to the trust. They had, they had way more responsibility to validate her claim of being the trustee, okay, than just taking her word for it and, you know, a, a defaced document, okay? So they didn't really oh, yes, do their due diligence. The federal regulations, we've already looked all this up, the federal regulations, they can't just take her word for it. And in the, in the minutes, they also say that, oh, we're happy with the signature on the, on the document. What? Sure, because now they've got to protect themselves but, from a lawsuit. But, 
you can go after the bank and after yeah. her because that's where the fraud initiated. I want to go and after anything all that they the did. Women. Anything that they did from the second yeah. that she claimed yeah. that she was the the trustee, uh, you know, and on from that point has to come back to its original state. The estate has to be made right. And the only way now, I mean, being that it's a statutory trust, you're going to have to prove that she committed fraud. And then, you know, uh, what's that? I can. You I have you, everything. You can. can prove everything. Okay. So you're going to yeah. need to prove that she committed fraud and then induce the bank to commit fraud. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I can see, and I know, I know all this. I mean, I know what I need to do, and I have it all. I just don't know how to put it all together. I don't want to make any mistakes. I don't want to have any of those loopholes. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? I don't want to fall in a trap. Well, uh, and that's what they've seen. Out of the common law, breach of probate. may think so um, complex, unnecessarily complex. Right, it is. It and that's what they try to do. I missed something. <laughs> we had three people talking. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. I was asking about how the common law would treat um, a, a trust from a foreign jurisdiction, which if this was a trust that was created uh, uh, according to statute, how would the common law treat that? Or would they? Uh, would they consider it? I mean, where do you even lower. The court's going to treat it like a corporation. The court is going to treat it like a corporation because it I is. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean, yeah, you, when you say the court, you're talking about the common law court or are you talking about the defense? No, I'm talking court? about I'm talking about the statutory court because it's a statutory uh trust. Yeah, I know that. You're going, but, you're looking at it as a corporation and not a separate entity, not a, not a I, I not a sui juris entity. You're still looking at it as a fiction. Why doesn't she submit notices that contain all the pretty well uncontrovertible facts that back up the fact that this this uh, de facto court never acquired jurisdiction to do any of the stuff it purported to do? And then you can start scratch in a common law court or, or common law arbitration with your notice of claim and uh, and and. Or, or or not, then then you're left with the legitimate documents and just enforce them. Um, sure, but, it, but the assets, the corpus acts, the assets of the of, of the trust have already been liquidated, or part of them at least, right? Well, that's they've all been liquidated. You name the everybody as as human beings, as individuals that have possession that that. that wrongly distributed or, or acquired and then probably later went on to, to spend those uh, those assets. And uh, yes. what did they do? Say they didn't? You know, they did that. And, yeah. and then, you know, point out, you know, why there was never any jurisdiction to of the de facto court to, to allow any of that. And, uh, and, and you know, give them a, enough time, you know, notice of liability, a notice of lack of jurisdiction and they're not going to, and, and lay, you know, there's a lot to it. The, to avoid out, the, to avoid out whatever judgments. Right. Yeah, that's, what I, judgments. that's what I need to do first and then bring it to Florida. Yes. You do have to avoid out those judgments and, and absolutely 
subject matter jurisdiction they didn't have because right. Right. And it then, was obtained fraudulently through his wife. Right. The trust even says that, that I am not required to, to submit any papers in any court. Not, I don't have to file any papers in any court. Right. And they pulled me in there. Right, right. You probably wouldn't even have to. Well, you could do a, a notice of claim because they basically converted property that was not there. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. Everything was conversion. Everything. And that's a common law claim. And then you can bring that in common law arbitration. You can bring that to a common law court, which is a, a whole issue in and of court. I actually put a public records request into Ohio because on the Ohio Supreme Court in the directory it says common law court and that refers you uh, drum roll to the Ohio Judicial Conference which is a private organization so I contacted the judges from that private organization under Krings versus Inquire and uh, they replied that we don't call them common law per se so I have to follow up on that but you know I keep going back to this uh, statutory. Um, the one thing you do when you make public records requests is they're implicitly admis admitting that they are under law by supplying something. So I always ask for, uh, in these things for the public officials, uh, please supply any withdrawal from the conspiracy against Mary Louise records. Well, you just admitted you're allegedly a government agency. And secondly, thank you for telling me that, because if I ever go back to your corporate sandbox again, the tolling doesn't start until someone withdraws, formally withdraws from the conspiracy against me, or they admit to entrapment and they have to identify individuals. Sorry, folks, I got bounced off here. <laughs> oh, no, not again. I don't know. Everybody yeah. wants to play in that sandbox, though, and, and I think that we're going down the wrong path with it. Uh, I mean, I, I know how tempting it is to believe that if you study en enough, uh, you can beat them at their own game. I'm here to say y you can't. It's, it, you know, that if you stand between them and the almighty dollar, you're going to get trampled as many yeah. as are, are losing our liberty. Man, I, listen. I listen to everybody's viewpoint. And that's why I haven't, I mean, this summary judgment was awarded back in, in January. And I'm still, every single day, I live this, trying to, I'm looking at every, everything that everybody says. I'm, and, and I'm with you, Catherine. And that's why I'm thinking that the remonstrance is the only way. And, and for two reasons. Because um, we've been told statutory. That, It's dealing with the statute. Go ahead. Okay, what, what, what I'm, and again, I, I'm trying to learn from everybody, everything that's going on. Chris is stating, Chris says that, the, the, that POTUS has given us back the republic. And I actually, David Strait told me personally that the president, he has done that. He has given us back the republic. And now, not in these words, but he more or less said, He's handing over the way I'm seeing this is this remonstrance will, will do two things. It's a place for us to redress our grievances. And if they don't have these oaths, because right away, too, and, and as far as what Chris was saying is that you can go in there and tell them that you don't want any bar attorneys involved in this. 
Okay, so um, we can be specific like that. And here's the thing. If they don't have that oath, uh, first of all, I want to see their oath. And then I'll question them to what oath. And then right there, I mean, that's pretty much going to, you know, well, this isn't, this isn't due process of law because you're not actually even, uh, you, you're not in a position where you, you're, you're not even in that, in that position lawfully. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, how come you're not providing us with our constitutional right to a, and our natural right to a, uh, to a court of record, which will deal right. with common law? What did you take an oath to if the Constitution isn't, doesn't mean anything? If it's already See, and that's what I was saying. I want to ask them, which Constitution did you take a, an oath to? Is your oath to the people or is your oath to the corporation? Right, but the people are the people are a fiction, just like the corporation is a fiction. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, there's no definition. You know, if I ask, you know, if, if you say I'm one of the people, okay, you're you're really not because you're saying I'm one of the things of, uh, that is a fiction, okay? A people is a fiction. A group of individuals is a fiction. Right. See, I'm not a person. No. That's what I'm claiming. I'm not a person. I'm a people. I'm one of the people. <laughs> yes. Right. No, I get it. I get it. And, and, and again, you're dealing with a corporate fiction in the U.S. government, okay? Or it is the U.S. corporation, not even a government. Um, right. They're assuming, they're assuming authority, and this is where this, this call started. They're assuming authority to hear issues between individuals or individuals and, and corporations and, you know, uh, a, a monopoly on uh, remedy, I guess, you can say, because they're not a, a, there's no justice there to begin with, okay? It, it is basically just them, and you're not right. going to, uh, you know, I mean, you can go through and absolutely make a case for fraud in, in, in your case, and bring that back and get all of it back to the point where, you know, you can adjudicate it outside of a courtroom uh, and that you be, you know, that the estate be compensated for whatever was liquidated and took out by those who took it, okay? That you can get done in their courtroom because, you know, they're going to listen to hearings, okay? Um, but you have to be the, you, you have to prosecute the case, Okay. Um, you have to bring suit. Uh, you have to be the plaintiff, you know, and uh, oh, you have to, That's you why have to make the claim and prove your claims, and you have evidence to right. do so. You See, know, I was never once that's all done, what's that? See, they, they made me, in their court, they made their me a defendant, and they brought her in as the as the primary. No, no, as the the, the no the principal. The, no principal defendant. The principal defendant. The only place that we you found the, out. They looked at you. They called you the principal defendant. No, they called her. They called the wife the principal. This is how corrupt they were. Just like, yeah, the one that had no rights. They claimed that she was the. Uh, 
principal defendant. The only place we could even find that law was in, in, in Virginia. And, and it was, uh, what was it? only, what was it? She was the prosecutor. It made her the prosecutor. As the, as the, as the, uh, and I'm sorry, the principal defendant that made her the prosecutor. Correct. She made, what, it, what it made her was the administrative hearing officer. Okay. It made her the, 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 the hearing officer. She was the trustee over that administrative uh, estate. Okay. To administer the estate. But that was claimed fraudulently is what I'm saying. So if it was if it was claimed fraudulently, the entire process that was that came after uh, all judicial proceedings coming after or administrative hearings that came after, I should say, uh, were done under fraud. Under the you know they 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 were initiated based on fraud. Everything so we've got to get the fraud out of the way. <laughs> Everything, I'm telling you, is fraud, inside, outside, and upon the court. It is, but the, but the court itself is a fraud in, 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 you know, uh, right. in the way that it handled this case because it wasn't even looking at the evidence that you brought or wouldn't even let you bring any evidence because they looked at you as a non-party. Let, let me give you this little tidbit as well. This so-called judge wasn't an elected judge. He was an Obama appointee. Okay. Now, was this held? In, this was held in a state court. Uh, in a state court. This was in a federal. This was in a district, United States District Court. Okay, so it was in a federal court. Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. But again. Uh, you know, uh, right venue, no jurisdiction. <laughs> you know, there's, you have, you have, uh, well, they brought, you know, they brought me in in diversity. That's what they used was diversity. Yes, diversity jurisdiction. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and, and the matter being over $75,000. So right. the diversity right. jurisdiction would have been legit had you brought it there, not her. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So they had no subject matter jurisdiction because there was a fraud uh, upon the court. Right, exactly. Yep. And, and you know, well, I'm a group of Catherine. You're right, Catherine. There's a lot of reasons. There's many, there's a multitude of reasons. And Catherine, the one I think thing, it's not on, really a on the right thing with notice of uh, the notices of liability, because um, I don't know if you know this, but I, and I just saw it, and I'll have to get the source for it. But according to how many people we have in Congress and what it says constitutionally, we should have, I guess, we should have like a thousand. Um, and again, it's supposed. To, and David Strait told the president this. It was in one of his videos. Yep. And he said that we don't have quorum in Congress, so nothing is eligible. So if we remonstrate this, we're going to people who don't really have a quorum. So my concern is, is we got, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I think the Cal Washington and what Catherine brought to my attention a long time ago was the notices of liability. Well, yeah, absolutely. But how, how do any of these representatives so, or so-called representatives that are claiming that they have a right 
uh, you know, a, a right in power of attorney to represent anybody. Can someone exactly. can can someone yeah. tell me what a remonstrance is? It's a petition of our legislators to. It, it, it's where if you look up the uh, every state has its own manual that they go by. Seventy percent of the country um, uh, they 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 operate under the rules of the Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. And apparently, this is actually where we are supposed to go to redress our grievances. So what it is, is you petition that they hear this. So what, what you do is you, well, you petition that they, you send to your legislators a petition. Um, then you send a, a letter goes to, uh, you send a notice for all of you send a, a notice for all of, a, a petition for redress of grievance no it's well it's called a, a petition of remonstrance is what it's called but it is yeah. but it is but but that is what it's for is to redress our grievances okay okay Good. so then you send a letter you send a, a, a notice of, of a lawful notice to all of the actors that were involved and then you send a letter to, uh, one goes to, to each of the legislators. You have to send certified mail. And I'm waiting for, I've been waiting for over two weeks. I haven't gotten mine yet. I understand that they have a shortage now because people are picking up. They're, they're getting into this. And I've been waiting for two weeks for my manual so I can actually get all the information. But then there's a letter. Let's see, there's, you, you send a certified copy to the legislators. And I'll be having to do it, I guess, in Florida and in Ohio because it's in both states. Then um, there's a letter that goes to the Secret Service, in my case, because of what happened with the fraud in the bank and all that. And then uh, there's actually a letter that goes to the president as well. And this is good timing because the president is asking for whistleblowers. Now, whistleblowers are actually um, employees. And I'm not a whistleblower, but you know what the heck? This is a good time to let the president know what's going on. And Mary, Mary right, Louise, but if you're acting you as one, you're, you're acting as an employee. Well, I, I am. Well, I am as far as like because of the trust. I'm, I'm the. Yeah, I am. I'm an administrator, so I guess I am. This could be a good thing. Yes, because, your, your uh, administration has no authority over you other than the trust document itself. Because you have to do what the grantor of the trust wanted as a trustee. So you're actually you're, you're, you're performing the will of the grantor of the trust, which would have been your father. So you're not actually uh, underneath their authority in that way. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think, I, I think I was trying, Dana here was talking at the same time. I'm not sure I caught what you were saying. So you're saying that, that I am under whose authority? As the trustee for the estate, you're under the, under the authority of the will of the grantor. So whatever oh, he wrote up, whatever your father wrote up in his in his estate, in his trust, uh, and in his will, 
you're just you're executing his will. You're not executing the will of the government or the legislatures or anybody. So it really exactly. doesn't matter. That's what I keep saying. This is my fiduciary responsibility, and you people are not allowing me to complete my 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 duty. Well, they're, they're fraudulently getting in your way and trying exactly. to administer it on you. You know, instead of you, there's they a did. fraud going on. What? Yep, that's what kind what they of? Did. What kind of cases are eligible for this redress of grievance thing? Anything, any grievance that you have. Any? Of course. No whatever. And you're, deal, you're still dealing in statutes, though. You're still dealing in, you know, in the fictional uh, playground. Well, what okay? I'm thinking because is... In order to actually... do your process that you were just talking about, in order to do the process that you were just talking about, you're pleading. You're, you're sending petition. You're begging for somebody to make a decision. Okay. Yeah, I don't but like that part of it. I don't think that we should have to to plead with our public servants. It should be a demand of remonstrance. What yes. I'm thinking no, is, you, like you deal she in said, notice, you deal in notice, and you deal in in, in uh, uh, affidavits, truth. You know, you, the 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 facts of the case. Okay, but what so she, you're dealing what in she notice, said, you notify them. You notify them. You don't petition them. But what do you that's the problem I've had with the whole thing from the beginning. I don't want to petition anybody. I don't want to ask anybody. That's their job. No. So I'm going to demand they do their job. That's not exactly right. Their job. And and you send them notice that if they fail to do their job, they're going to be charged. Right. What well, I'm thinking. The remonstrance process is actually. I, I mean, it's 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 in the Constitution. Um, yes, sir. And, and it's for redress of grievances. I've been involved with that uh, quite a bit. Um, part of the Constitution but, is that, you know? Yeah, what I'm well, thinking is it, it, involves, it involves the FBI and others to get involved. And like That's she said, there's, 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 becoming, more, there's becoming oh, more and more people that are getting a hold of this, which is then putting uh, requirements on these other agencies, and if it becomes to a certain level, then they're going to start paying attention because they're going to say, you know, this is putting a burden on all these other, uh, you know, agencies, and maybe uh, take a more serious look at fixing the system. See, that's yeah, my the idea. System's <laughs> the system's not broken. The system's not broken. It was designed this way. Here's the, here's I, I, the I want to hear, uh, I'd like to hear from the man who was just saying that, that you've been dealing with this for a while. I'd like to hear uh, the process uh, so that, that, that you've been using. I, I haven't been, been doing it. I've been involved in a couple of cases where it's being done. Um, and I, I've, I've studied it, uh, and I, I definitely see the validity of it. Um, in in documents, the Constitution, all that. Um, I have not seen where the legislature takes any notice of it um, other than some claims, that, which I have not looked up, so I'm not saying they're real or, or fake or anything like that. Um, I, I do know some people that 
said that you have to bring it to the legislature. You need to get a representative to uh, to present it to the legislature. And um, I know a couple of cases where they can't find anybody that will even do it. Um, of course not, because they've already assumed that they are your representative, which means that they have power of attorney to make the rules uh, and anything that has to do with finance. If, if I were to give somebody power of attorney over, over my estate, I'm giving them legal and financial power to make decisions concerning my estate, okay? When you talk about representatives and legislatures, those are people who are assuming that they represent you without any absolute, without any proof, with no, with no express request, okay? Other than your so you voter record. With, what's that? But other than your voter registration, which is consent to voting for somebody to represent you. Right, but if you are uh, if you're still living in that in that world of of, of, of make believe, okay? Uh, what about the guy? What about the person who doesn't vote, okay? Who doesn't expressly consent to be governed, okay? Yeah. What about I what agree. about me? Because I don't expressly consent to be governed. So when when I decide, you know, if I decided I needed somebody to represent me, I sure I'm not going to pick. Uh, uh, you know, a con man and a, and, and, a, and a murderer and, you know, all these other megalomaniac, you know, power-hungry people to represent me because they're going to stick their hand in my pocket and I'm going to be destitute, okay? Well, so I, I, I want to – I'd like to say just one thing about the remonstrance. Again, I want to reiterate that I've, I've studied it. I see how it should work, and that's how it should be brought forth your redress of grievances but i've also been involved in these case cases the one one specifically um that you know who's ever talking about this uh i've i've been there in court with those people uh, I, I was actually there in court for that case well before those people and on the exterior what is shown none of it has worked in court i'm not saying it's not working in the legislature but the documents are not showing to work in court. And I've seen that firsthand. So what, may I ask what state you're in? Are you in New Hampshire by any chance? No, I'm in Minnesota. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? You don't have to, but only because I'd like to speak with you more about this. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to. And I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not talking bad about anybody. I, I know Chris, uh, you know, love the guy. I'm not talking bad about anybody. I just want that really clear so it doesn't um, get out. Why, why isn't it working? <laughs> if, we have this, if we have this right, why isn't it working? Well, again, now, I'm, there, there are two different things. The remonstrance is the legislature, but I'm talking about paperwork being done in court. And that's the part I'm saying is not working. There's been claims about it working in the legislature, but I've, I've, I've seen no proof of that other than people saying it. And I, I've actually can, you can still look it up on the court doc that there's proof against it. May I ask just your first name, sir? Yeah, Chad. Chad. But I'm, I'm, I'm still not getting... I, 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 I don't know. I'll, I'll, my name is Chad Cater. You can, I don't, I don't, you know, I have nothing to hide, so I'll, I'll gladly. Okay. 
I still don't get why why it's if we have this right, why is it not working? You know, um, I, I, I understand see, that you're saying you don't really know or something, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 saying most people, and if if you follow, you know, like Kirk's Law Corner. Um, you know, they, they talk about where it's been done, and it's hardly been done anywhere. The legislatures do not know about this. A lot of right. them don't even really know about, you know, they got their manual, the Mason's manual. Sometimes it's, uh, what is it, Robert's uh, rules of procedure also that some legislatures use. But uh, they, they, don't, they don't know. They don't care. They got that position, and it's been so, so much of an entitlement for so long. They just think they have that power. I, I think it's yeah, that, ignorant more than anything. That seems, to be, that seems to be a theme, that they're taught what they're taught in law school, and that's all yeah. they know. They don't know. They don't know what they should know, you know. No. Right. But that's, that's on purpose. So my idea, my, exactly. My idea, though, behind this remonstrance is even though, and Chad, I just sent you a friend request, sir. Um, my, okay, what I'm thinking is that enough, if enough of us, I mean, let's just say we get 100 people. Let's say we just start with two states, okay? And we get 100 people, and we get our, our remonstrances written out. We mail them on the same day, so they get a hit with 100 of these a day. They'll be, they won't know whether to, you know what, or wind their watch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I agree well, with you 100%. And that's, I, I, I brought that up quite a while ago on uh, to Kirk and Chris and, and said, get a few people from every state you can, teach yeah. them, and, and then have them help the others in their state, and then, then hit them with it. Exactly. What's the that's difference what, between that's, this and a million man march where, on water? Where is the teeth? Where is the teeth? You know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What's can, the difference between this and a million man march on Washington? Yeah, uh, you can do that. A million man march is actually, and, and Chris addressed this. A million man march is actually picketing. This you have the, to have is, is the protest. That is a lawful protest. No, if you don't have any teeth, you've got to figure out where the teeth is. If you don't have any teeth, it's just you can have a truckload full of remonstrances. Sure. It's and not this gonna, is why I don't think go it will ever work in a courtroom. It's not going to work no. in a courtroom. Ever. Well, I'll tell you what. This is a last resort, and I really don't want to be the bring it up. I don't want to be the one to bring it up. But the fact is, is, this is why we have the Second Amendment. For, See, but the thing is, is we, don't have a, we don't have a Second Amendment, and if I could get a second, we don't, we don't have a Second Amendment. That's a fiction. Because who's Correct. we? Who is we? Who I are do. we the people? I do. I do. Define, the right define it with accuracy. The, the, this is, the Constitution is a document created by men 200-plus years ago, Okay. And if you read Lysander Spooner's uh, uh, No Treason, which was written 80 years after the Constitution, it was a contract at best between the parties. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, this giant, enormous fraud has been built around this document. Okay? And it, it assumes that, uh, like, like Animal Farm, 
you know, that, that some are, uh, you know, all animals are equal, but some are more equal, okay? And you're assuming that these legislatures are more equal than you, <laughs> you know? They have more authority about what you're going to do or not do than you do, okay? And it's a horrible, fraudulent assumption, okay? Because they don't have any more authority than you or I, okay? The Queen of England, Donald Trump, okay? They don't have any authority that you and I don't have. And it, it, legitimate, it, it was legitimately a representative democracy or a representative government, okay, then they would have a power of attorney for every person who wanted to be governed. <laughs> Otherwise, if they don't have that, they're acting in fraud. They're assuming authority over people who never gave them authority, which if you want to go back to one of those founding documents... It says in the Declaration of Independence that, you know, uh, the, an authority of right is by the consent of the people, okay, the ones being governed. Well, without that consent, it's illegitimate. So if you're trying to deal with these illegitimate actors on any level, okay, other than as a man or a woman, that's why I never go after anybody. If I'm going after an office, you know, if I'm going after somebody who is acting in an office, I'm going after the individual, the man who is acting, hiding behind a mask. I'm going to pierce that corporate veil by, you know, fraud. If you look at business law, the, the one main thing that will pierce the corporate veil every single time and expose the, the actual actors is fraud, okay? And, and you're dealing in a fraudulent system, okay? When I asked the judge, uh, who, who made you an authority over me? They said, oh, well, the legislature. Well, who gave them authority over me? Well, they're your representatives. Fantastic. I want to see the power of attorney and who represents me. Bring them to court right now. You have to expose the fraud that they're playing in their administrative tribunals. And, and, and you're not going to do that by petitioning, petitioning them. <laughs> I, I agree, and I, I think what you know what the whole uh, remonstrance thing is is uh, trying to do, and I, I uh, you know no matter what I said earlier, again I hope that isn't taken wrong because I I know these guys and and, no, and have no, a lot no. of respect for, them. but uh, um, I, I think that's what it's doing in combination with how peop many people view Donald Trump uh, that he's trying to bring the republic back for true, true representation instead of authority over. And right. um, I believe that's what they're trying to do, uh, which would never work under the Obama administration, you know. So, yeah, it won't work I'm under not, Trump administration either. The man's a narcissist, and if he's doing anything, you can bet. I worked for the man back in the 80s, and he screwed my union contract 90%. We lost 90 cents on the dollar working for Trump when he went bankrupt for Trump Towers. So, you know, the man is a narcissist. He is out for himself, period, okay? And regardless if he was elected or right, all of this stuff is an, is an illusion of authority, okay, that yep. we've been talked into our entire lives. That's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, I hear it from my own mother. Well, you can't fight City Hall, you know? <laughs> You're right. But I tell you what, 
whoever John is, you know, John the mayor, I can fight him. I can fight Joe Smith, the cop, or the, you know, the one acting as a judge. You know, they're facts. They're reality. And they're the ones that trespassed on your rights. So you have to go after the individual's actors that are, anytime you're dealing in fiction, if you want to, one, be separate from fiction, uh, you have to go after the actors and, and pierce that corporate veil and go after each individual actor. So in the case of your fraud, the, uh, you know, your, your, your father's wife, she was acting, okay? Pierce that oh. corporate veil with the fraud that she committed. Uh, same thing with her lawyer or any other lawyers that got involved, including the court and the bank. Whoever wrote, whoever signed to liquidate those assets in that account uh, is liable. They are liable. Well, you said, um, but you said go after the go after the man. Well, the, the bank isn't a man. Yes, but the employee acting for the bank, the agent that signed. The liquidation notice, okay, right. for those assets to be liquidated, he made a decision. He's the one that chose. It wasn't his office. It wasn't his company. It was him individually. Hold him responsible. So I go after him and not the bank then. But here's the deal. Because now, you, can go after, you can go after all the employees at the bank who had anything to do with it because they acted in fraud or under the assumption that, um, you know, that she had, uh, that she was the trustee and they acted on, uh, you know, in bad faith without doing any investigation. At, at, at least they're negligent. Well, the, the truth is, is they were involved and I can prove that. Yes. And, and, and all you need is whoever signed off on it. That's who you're going after. Okay. So you're then going- you're saying, then you're saying just go after the man. And not the bank. The, the bank itself is an institution, okay? The institution okay. has agents that have a fiduciary responsibility to its account holders, okay? You, if you're going after the bank, you're going after the shareholders of the bank, okay? Not the, not the agents of the bank, the shareholders. Right. Because that's what makes up the, the corpus of the, of the bank, Okay. And, actually, and, I, and I, I believe I actually saw something where the, the, the agents can't be held responsible. You have to go after the, the institution. Ah, wrong, except for fraud. That's why you pierce the corporate veil. When, you, ah. when there's a corporation, you have to pierce the corporate veil. There's certain, if you look up, just Google piercing the corporate veil. Fraud is the number one way to pierce the corporate veil. So you've got it in to, cor- you know, to pierce that veil and go after the, the people who were actually involved. Okay. All right. And one other quick, quick question. You said the trust indenture. So that would be, that would be found in, inside the trust, but it's not there. So if I just Google that, will it tell me exactly what, what, what is on a trust indenture? Um, it would be, it would probably, I mean, trusts are as, 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 uh, diverse as the people who are making them because it's literally the grantors, uh, create creation. Okay. The one who created the trust, it's their creation. So they can do it any number of different ways. Um, but in order to, uh, assign a trustee, 
in a trust, okay, the grantor would have to uh, make an offer and you would have to indenture yourself as a trustee, okay, to the trust, okay? So the trust indenture is just a document that says that you are the trustee. Okay. Okay. Well, I and it would have your signature on it, accepting that, that title. Okay, and that, that should be found inside the trust instrument itself, but there, there wasn't anything Correct. like that. Okay. Yes. Well, there, I mean, when he created the trust, he had to have assigned a trustee. He had to, yes, he had, he he had to have offered a trustee. He did, but there's nothing in there for me to actually sign. Okay, but he did mention you in the trust documents? Oh, absolutely. I'm the, and if not me, then, then if I couldn't or wouldn't accept for whatever reason, then it went to my husband. Okay, but the thing is, is that you were mentioned there as the trustee. He, oh, he yeah, created absolutely. the trust with you being the trustee. That's your indenture. Oh, so that is the indenture. That, that would be okay. your indenture, yes. So... Okay. Even though he assigned you, he assigned to you the position of trustee. Okay, if you didn't sign it, that's fine. It was just assumed by you that you know you would you would accept the position. That's that's easily explainable. Okay, so let me ask you this thing then. Rather than going to, and even though my dad said no probate, and and the trust itself says that it cannot be judicially settled, um, there's, a, there's a master agreement somewhere, but they won't give it to me, that says that it's to be arbitrated. Okay. It's needed. So, right. I sorry, do I do this in federal court because they're in Ohio? Do I do it in probate court? Where, where do I do this? Well, one, you have to you have to file for the fraud in that diversity jurisdiction would be your local district, you know, federal district court where you're at. You got to bring suit. Okay, so I bring them, fraud. even though all the all the actors are in Ohio. I bring them to Florida. That's where you are, right? Right. Correct. Well, that's your, you know, and, and you have every right to do so because you know, of, of diversity jurisdiction. Why should you have to go to a foreign land to fight your battle? Right, exactly. You know? Okay, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they were trying to bring you up there by giving jurisdiction to the probate court, okay? And basically yeah, right. ousted you from your position of trust. Fraudulent. If they're... <laughs> Well, no, I will have the plaintiff in, in the first court, but it shouldn't have been in probate. And I told, my, I told the attorney that. My dad said no probate, and he said, well, that's the only place to take this, which was a lot. That is absolutely not true, because right. what happens when there's probate, the only reason you would bring an issue into probate is if there was no will or no trust. Right. Exactly. So then, and then it automatically goes to probate. They assume jurisdiction in probate because the will of the deceased uh, wasn't stated. Yeah. <laughs> then it goes to then it goes to probate. But no, in your case, it should have never have been there. They didn't have jurisdiction. Exactly. Is the reason why you can notice the void? You can send them a notice to void judgment, okay, and even to reverse. Yep the judgment, 
avoiding it out would make it as if it never happened. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, if can I do that? If there's an adjudication clause, can can you just, you know, hire somebody and give them notice and have them appear? And if they don't, there you go. Bring the, what do you mean, I, within I, the I trust itself, an adjudication clause? I thought there. I thought she said there was. There was that it that it wouldn't be adjudicated in a in a uh, in a probate court. That it would be through oh. arbitration. Yeah, in any okay. court. It, yeah, they, it wasn't to be judicially. That it, it says the accounts cannot be judicially settled in any court, and that I'm not required. I'm 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 sorry. I, I I said that wrong. Yeah, an arbitration clause. I mean, so why can't you just hire somebody for the arbitration, give them notice to appear, and if they don't show up, you know, with with the trust documents stating that. Um, because you, you probate be because the probate after, court right? already adjudicated it. Yeah, if okay. I'm not well, mistaken, right? Wait a minute, it wasn't the probate court. The probate court was the one that I dismissed to bring it to Florida. But because they couldn't have me coming back to Florida, that's why they filed the interpleader to keep me in Ohio. Okay, so what they court is this case now in? Is in the district court, correct? It's out. The, the judge gave them a summary judgment and said that it could not be tried in any other court. Which is that's a bunch okay, of nonsense. So you have to void. You can void that summary judgment with the evidence that you have. You can have that okay. summary judgment voided because they never had uh, jurisdiction over the subject matter. And it okay. says so right in the in, in the uh, in the text of the trust. Right, right, right. Okay. So you so would have to how- notify them, notify them, and give them a copy of where in the trust it says that. Okay. okay, and also give them notice that uh, you know that that his wife was not the trustee, and prove and send in your facts with that, along with the notice. And you're you're giving them notice and giving judicial notice as well. So you're giving you know you're going to give uh, notice. Uh, you're going to give one judicial notice because these are the facts that you're introducing in that notice. Okay, the the documents that you're going to uh, submit with the notice. Okay, and then you want okay. you're gonna you know you're gonna send them notice of void judgment on those grounds. Okay. 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 So you'll send yes, a judicial I... notice, and you'll send a and you'll send a uh, um, you know a, a, a legal notice stating that uh, their their summary judgment is void because they never had jurisdiction on this you know over the subject matter. Okay. Now, when you okay. bring your case for fraud, you can bring that case in all, against all of the actors in your district there in Florida, okay? And it would be the right jurisdiction because, uh, you know, uh, you are the, uh, <laughs> what, what they would call it, you know, where they called before was the, um, not primary, but uh, what was the that? Principal. Uh, the principal. The principal. No, yeah, I'm, you, I'm you're a principal the in the case. Yeah, so you would be exactly. the principal. You would be the plaintiff on behalf of the trust. Exactly, exactly. So when I do this, should I send all? See, this is another thing. I don't know how to structure all this. I've never, I've never done this before. So 
do should I send like should I make it like in an affidavit form and and send all of the evidence with it? Yes. Well, your your affidavit is going to state the claim. Your your affidavit is going to state the facts. Okay. Then. Okay. So your your affidavit is going to support your notice, and you're going to provide evidence that supports your affidavit. Okay. Good enough. That's what I was thinking. Right. So you you have a notice that you're giving. Your notice is supported by your affidavit and the facts, the actual evidence. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's easy enough, I think. Yeah, I try to make it easy. I mean, we, you know, and I mean, this is all a learning experience for everybody. I mean, that's where we're all trying to to learn how to deal with, uh, you know, the lies that we've been taught our whole life. And Catherine, I hope you're still on the line here. You know, you saw firsthand as an attorney. The, you know, the, the, you know, we, they teach you lies in school, and they teach us all lies from the from the second we walk into a public school. You know, we're taught you got to sign up for you know selective service for the guys, and you know you've got to get your permit when you're 15 or 16, depending on where you're at. You know, but all these contracts that you're supposed to sign. Are, are beat into our heads from from the second that we're born, you know, and, and separating ourselves from the public. Okay, it's easy to use common law, you know, and even common law arbitration because if I run over your mailbox, okay, we can arbitrate the facts. I just hit your mailbox. I got a dent on my car. It was my fault. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't looking. I wasn't paying attention. I admit responsibility. And let's go get you a new mailbox and we'll install it. I'll come back and install it for you and make it right. Okay? That's arbitration between the parties, the parties in interest. We don't have a third-party interloper trying to make money off of us by working out our own issues. Well, and, and I've kind of, I haven't gotten real deep into it, but, Studying this arbitration just a little bit—it's—it's—it's it's, it's bar members. Why? Why? It doesn't yeah, have to be a bar member. It's going to end up. Why? Why would you pick somebody who is bound to a third party? Right. Why would yeah. I? How, how, could, how could they be an intermediary, a, a non-biased intermediary, if they're tied to a third party exactly. with a third-party interest? Right. Yeah, yeah. Because don't think for one second that the government isn't interested in the estate. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. that bar member pretty much makes up the government. <laughs> right, right. You know what, that is a problem, man. We need to get these. I, I hope, I mean, they are. They're going after the bar, and, and they are foreign agents, and we need to get them out of here. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, if you were going into court for a ticket or, you know, where it's the state against you, to get that separation is, is very, very simple and easy. Give them the legal person. Let them administrate. Let them be the trustee. Let them have the fiduciary responsibility, and you go on your way totally separate from anything that just happened. Okay? Yeah, I've heard, I've but, heard people say so. Which, you know, yeah. when I asked... When Catherine asked earlier, I asked earlier about whether or not it was a, an ex, you know an express trust under common law. When I do a uh, when I do a trust, you know, my law is uh, the Bible, 
or natural law, and then common law. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. or arbitration and then common, you know, arbitration between the parties. Just a meeting of the minds is all we're looking for to settle any disputes. We're not looking to be extorted for the, for the you know, for the, uh, um, whatchamacallit, the, <laughs> the privilege uh, of, of utilizing their, their, uh, their system. Right. Personally, it's never done anything good for me. <laughs> And, you know, you know, it's taken and it's taken and it's taken, but it's never provided me with anything, nothing of substance, nothing of value. That comes from interaction with other men and women, you know. Right. We're what brings the value. We're what brings the action. When you're talking about corporation, it's a man or a woman behind that corporation. You know, you heard the term, you know, take me to your leader. Well, when you walk into a business, I don't want to speak to the, you know, and you have a great or a grievance. I don't, I don't want to speak to the, to the guy on the bottom rung. Bring me to the top. I want to speak to the president of the company because he's got the ultimate decision to make for the entity that he's acting on behalf of. Okay? Everybody right. else is an underling. Here was another issue that I had with this interpleader. Okay, because it, all of the cases that, that are in this interpleader, they're all corporations. Well, they first of all, I'm not a defendant because I didn't bring harm to anyone. I have no contract with any party involved. I gave no consent. And, and if, if I've got to defend myself, this bank is saying that they don't know whatever, well, then I want to see Mr. or Mrs. UBS Bank come into this, into this court and look me in the eye and tell me where I'm a wrongdoer. Right. But they're talking, they, they hired an interpleader, which is somebody who pleads and begs on their behalf. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, what, they, that's what an, in, uh, a pleader, somebody who's pleading is begging. Okay. Yeah. Which is yeah. how they settle out of court and they, you know, they beg for a remedy and they beg and beg and beg. You know, slaves beg. Men yeah. and women are not to be slaves of corporations. We don't need to plead and beg and ask permission and all these things, you know, which is why contracts are, are, are very, very uh, important when it comes to dealing with the public and with the private. So if yours was a private trust, a legitimate private uh, trust, non-statutory, I'll say, uh, because that's your public is statutory um, fiction um, in a fictional jurisdiction where, you know, you're, you're not going to get what you're looking for in that, in that arena. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to pierce that corporate veil and go after the player, the actor, right. the, the one that okay. actually made the decision. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, inter yeah. the interpleader is also an actor. So he can go after him for whatever he decides, you know, whatever uh, decisions he made as well. You have to hold people oh, yeah. accountable for their own decisions and their own choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. you know, that's why at Nuremberg it didn't work when they said, well, I was just doing my job. I was just following orders. You know, <laughs> that goes away. You become responsible for your actions. You know, it's funny. A lot of people are bringing up the Nuremberg trials these days. 
Sure, because it's relevant. <laughs> Almost yeah. everything that, 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 that you're dealing with. Yeah, it sure is. Sure is. Well, this this has been a great show. And... What's that? I said I'm really glad that I attended this call. Is this is this archived? Are we? I I, I don't know anything other than I called a number. Is there a name? Yes, for I show? do. I, I, right now, I'm I'm using a I'm using a conference call line that I record, and then I'll put it out on um, on um, Anchor. FM and then Spotify and iTunes all gets that. Um, but there is, um, I, I'll post it um, on the page, and I'll also post it in uh, whatever group you found it in as well after, um, after we're done here. It usually takes me about an hour, maybe a little longer tonight, because we're going on three and a half hours of recording. So, um, But it will be posted, the, the recording will be posted after. Um, Catherine, I appreciate you coming on as my guest, and <laughs> we got a little overrun here uh, with, with, with the topics, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on and and um, you know sharing with us. But uh, as far as um, you know, as far as the show, it's it's every Sunday uh, from five to eight o'clock Mountain Time, and uh, it's been a great show. I appreciate everybody coming on, and, and uh, we've we've covered some really good topics. You know, when we when we when we get back to the beginning of it all, in, in any situation, you have to really uh, consider who who's acting as if they have authority in whatever situation you're in. You know, and, and if they and if they're assuming it's a, you know, uh, if they're assuming it, rebut it, question it, always question, always always right. always question. You know, because a lot of times with those questions. The truth will slip out. They'll do a fraudulent slip. It'll it'll slip out. You know, you'll get them frustrated by asking questions because they don't want to answer. You know, but if you're yeah, answering well, their questions and their requests for <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, they can't deny the evidence. I mean, I have it. You know what I'm saying? And let me ask you this. So I send to, send to them when I do this affidavit, like I told you, I sent all of this evidence to each actor, and I, and I warned them of being guilty of misprision of felony if they didn't if they didn't take this and make the judge aware, and no one did. So, um, and then I did call the I called the courthouse and spoke with the clerk, and I told him I said, look, I, I sent them a warning. He said, well, he said, there's not really anything we can do now because it's already been, uh, it's been granted. You'll have to, to bring a new case. That's what he told me. I'm not no, bring you, a can new appeal, case. you can appeal the summary judgment or you could just void it because they had lack of, they, you know, there was no subject matter jurisdiction and any of the jurisdiction that they did acquire was acquired in fraud. And you have proof. So, you know, you just got to notify and them. With, and there's no, there's no statute of limitations on fraud. Sorry, we got I'm two sorry? people talking. Catherine, was that you there talking? Is. No, there's this is Linda. Limitations I, I just, on fraud and state statutes. What's that? I just said. I just I said, said that there is statute 
of limitations on fraud in state statutes? Yes. The fraud is, is uh, the statute doesn't run until the fraud is, uh, until the party becomes aware that their fraud was, uh, that there was fraud. Okay. So once Um, once you've noticed noticed that a fraud, uh, you know, had occurred, that's when the statute starts. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't start from the time the fraud was, you know, uh, conceived and 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 uh, acted out. It's it it starts from when the fraud is discovered. What's the The time frame on this? Their system fraud is controlled by Rule sixty, sixty B, and it can be bought within a reasonable time whatever that means. Yes. And in their world, anything, if, if it's you, it's going to be unreasonable. If it's them, it'll be reasonable. <laughs> you want to play that which way? Is why, which is why in your, in your document, in your, in your notice, you want to specify. It has recently come to my attention, <laughs> you know, that a fraud was committed here, and I found the proof, and here's the evidence, and, you know, they'd have to open the case up at, at the very least reopen the case based on new evidence, and especially evidence of fraud. Do you, even care? do you even care what they do in response to your notice of absence of subject matter jurisdiction or notice of a null judgment, uh, that the judgment's a nullity? Do you even care what they do? Well, I do. Well, she does, of course, because she's got something to lose. And there, it's never responded to, even in their world, if they never resolve uh, lack of subject matter jurisdiction, they can't. Anything they do is a nullity for that reason, just that reason alone. But you got so many other reasons that they have no subject matter jurisdiction, starting with what we talked about at the beginning of the program, which is that they're a corporation for profit. They're not. Yes. They, they have no authority. You know, among other things, uh, there, there's the oath. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff. I, you know, I've got sure. a list of them, but I didn't know anybody wanted to deal with it. Jump ahead to the liability, but you can't jump ahead to the liability of these individuals who did all this stuff to you until you 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 eliminate the defense they would have to that, which would be, but yeah, but the probate judge said we could do that. You got to point out, you know, you're not going to have that. You, that's why you have to do that first. You have to tell out, right. out. The, the, the only defense they conceivably ever try to have. Right. Well, one of the elements of fraud is, is, is uh, unfair gain. Okay? So, I mean, if you look at the elements to, uh, to building a fraud case, somebody deceived you or somebody else for gain, you know, for, for, for unfair gain. Uh, and that's exactly what, you know, you're not saying that the court, uh, committed fraud, you're saying that, you know, you, you, your father's wife committed fraud on the court, and they're, for everything past that, it's fruit of the poisonous tree. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, how about the judge himself? The probate judge himself is is an actor who pretended to be a, in Ohio, be a common police court judge uh, in the probate division. When really right, but she said that the the probate court uh, was dismissed. They didn't actually they didn't adjudicate it. it was so what, dismissed. I never missed it. Did you did you notify the, 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 the summary judgment court? court? Summary judgment court. 
Right, that, that was, was a district a, court, federal district court. Uh, so, See, well, right. when I, yeah, when I dismissed the case, because they knew, I told my attorney I was bringing it to Florida. Bad move. He was working with them the whole time. And they were already actually, he was already get, getting, he, was, he set me up for them to uh, file the interpleader. Okay. See, when, when I, in that first, here, there, here's even more, more uh, fraud. When they, well, no, I guess I told you, they, they ordered me to mediation, and I have the contract where they tried to, to coerce me into taking a bribe for $100,000, you know, and, and, and in that, it, it came with a gag order. I could never talk about her again, and I could never see her again. And I could never have anything else with, with the bank. I couldn't bring anything no, else you're, against you're the You're releasing bank. all liability when you settle. You're, you're releasing all liability when you settle. So, exactly. Yeah, I might right. be some dumb, but I'm not some dumb. <laughs> well, everybody, I appreciate you all being on here. If you guys, you know, if anybody else has any other questions or wants, you know, uh, to discuss process or things like that, you know, in this case specifically. Um, again, just look me up on Facebook. Shoot me a private message on, on the uh, How to Win in Court page, and that will go right to me, so I'll be able to get back to you and answer, um, you know, if you need more help or, uh, you know, a little instruction on process and things like that. Um, that's not a problem. Uh, any questions for that matter? Anybody has any other questions, um, you know, that I can answer off the show? Uh, but we've been going on here. It's been a good long show. We're three and a half hours in <laughs> to a three-hour show. And I do appreciate everybody being on here, and I just want to make sure that everybody, uh, you know, that, that we're satisfied with, you know, um, the answers. And, again, if you weren't or if you have, need more answers, feel free to shoot me a private message or um, – you know, we, or you know, and we could possibly discuss more next week's show as a, uh, you know, an add-on to this and answer it on air so other people can get some some help as well. But uh, again, I do appreciate everybody being on the show uh, for all the listeners listening in. And uh, as always, if uh, if this show is a help to you, and feel free to to donate to support the show and, and keep it on the air. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Thanks again. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again over uh, private message or through Facebook or through the page or uh, on next week's show. You're all welcome to, to join in next week as well. Okay. I'll be getting with everybody else as well. Have a good evening, folks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye Good now. night. Good night. Good night.